Well, hello, kids, and welcome to the True North Eager Beavers special coverage of Election 43, Ontario. Uh, this is the first live, live, live show for us yeah. uh, in camera. Um, uh, something a little bit different for us for today. So playing around with some stuff and hopefully it works out okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll record the audio portion as well. So we'll have a good podcast release later. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is going to be our first uh, very live uh, show. So let's see what we can do with this province. And I know that a bunch of folks that were uh, on the uh, Dean show, uh, watching Dean's show today, as I did, were kind of blown away with some of the things we heard today. Uh, wow. Like, yeah. Wow. wow. Like bombshells, <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, my only question is like, why did people wait till like two days before the vote? Well, I, I guess he's waiting on the Klondike papers to come out amongst other things. So it's, you know, yeah, uh, man, you know, okay. So we've kind of sort of had a campaign. <laughs> yeah if you want to call it that yeah <laughs> well let's just like i don't know it's like nobody showed up for it it was kind of weird um it was an uneventful event right well we commented about the two weeks in into our our podcast right that it was basically a snooze fest mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah and then sort of del, Cu del duca started showing up a little bit mike schreiner came around and was like landing haymakers uh -huh. I, he really impressed me on this entire campaign and and, and during the uh, the debate. It's like this guy's a serious guy. I yep. liked everything he had to say, the way he was completely focused, laser focused and po on point. So, you know, I think uh, they might pick up a few seats in this election. I would hope so. Polling says no, unfortunately. Perry Sound Muskoka was really was getting close somewhere about a week ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but it seems that it, uh, it's sliding again. Uh, but you never know, right? Because you never know. When you get into the last three, four days, sometimes there can be something that there is a swing that happens and that probably won't be picked up. So, uh, you know, and it could also just be that, you know, people are just quietly at home saying, you know what? Yeah, your time is coming. So we don't know. We won't know till the votes are counted. Well, there's, you saw the polling station in the lobby, eh? Yeah. It's real easy for me to vote. I literally could go down in my underwear because the polling station for provincial elections is in my lobby, which is really cool, actually. It's like, could it be any easier, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, me too in my building, actually. That was kind of fun. So I was able to do that pretty easily. I was the only one there when I went, though. Oh, really? Yep. Well, there was a couple of people. Like when I... When I got home from work, there was three or four people ahead, you know, and I was like, no, I want to go upstairs and, and continue to listen to the show. And then I'll, as soon as that's, as soon as the show is done, I'll come down and vote. So that's, that's what I did. Uh, yeah. So we, so the, if there was an award for most impressive, it would certainly be Mike Trainer from the Greens. I mean, that's hands down. He performed very well. Oh, yes. That was to be expected if anybody's been paying attention to him over the years. I mean, he's, he's a quality candidate and he's a serious person. Um, people keep on saying all the time, you know, I'm hearing this comment, gee, if he only led, led a party that could actually win some seats, he'd be going somewhere. And, I agree. I agree. But I'm just like thinking, you know, with the performance this time of Miss Horvath, I'm, if people were voting on merits, yeah. this, the Greens would have made a very good case to replace the NDP as our, you know, balance of power party. Well, I don't know if you saw earlier today, there was a, a, a photo posted. I'm going to see if I can find it on the Twitter 
of, uh, and I'm, oh man, there was some pretty nasty things said about it, but it's still kind of questionable. A uh, picture of Andrea Horvath's son posing with an AR-15. Mm. He fancies himself a rapper. He's 27. He's not 17. Mm. Uh, so that, I mean, that doesn't help her cause any. Uh, and, and I think he might quite literally need some mental health supports, but that's just my 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 uh judgment from afar based on what i saw online mm, mm. yeah i i didn't see that so i can't really comment um i don't think that that should very much have an impact i, I mean, don't think it will no, no i really don't um kids are always very different unless the children are actually in politics or getting involved right uh, yeah i don't well, really like he, to go there and he hasn't suggested overthrowing the government uh unlike <laughs> And like Dougie's daughter has, uh, mm, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, we won't talk about yeah, her. We're not she gonna get, get she gets that. enough press. Oh my um, goodness! So, and then, so I don't know the, the thing with the NDP with this campaign that. Uh, mm, okay. Right. Yeah, I'm seeing the photo now. Yeah. yeah. Um, the I, I, I don't want to show that. No. Um, the thing with the NDP campaign that. I was wondering all the time, it, it, for some reason, it just seemed like they were not prepared for some reason, mm -hmm. which actually, you know, Andrea Horvath, in all fairness, did have some bad luck. I mean, yeah, she all, did. She did. You know, COVID and then try, twice trying to go to the north and, you know, both trips got canceled one time because the plane broke down. Which um, doesn't help. <laughs> you know, does, does not help. And especially if there's a narrative already going down in the press, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, <laughs> that becomes exactly. the story of the day, right? Or at least for half the day. Uh, so, but yeah, it just, you know, it, it's been four years of Doug Ford and there just seemed to be no concerted policy focus. There seemed to be no concerted uh, strategy uh, to make a case against Doug Ford. And actually, this is the thing that's actually surprised me is that hardly anybody has been make. I mean, that guy today made a better case against Doug Ford. Yeah, he did. <laughs> than anyone else. Uh, but there was also just very much not an attempt. And I just cannot believe, I can't understand what the strategy was on the part. I mean, I could understand from the liberals or the NDP wanting to make it about policy first at the beginning, because in the polls, they seem to be a little neck and neck. And, you know, they're doing the fight for who will be the change option. Uh, should there be a change you know, right. coming? Um, but at some point, I mean, especially since the campaign was only about like four weeks, you have to get through that part relatively quickly. And then you either have to start making the case for which, I mean, in a 28 day campaign, you only need enough time to show that you have a serious platform and that you've thought about stuff. Mm -hmm. And one person clearly did. Well, yes. Like this had a great platform, very technocratic. I mean, he knew his platform like the back of his hand and can speak to it. But somewhere along the way, it's like, where was the excitement about his policies? He did not show any excitement at some point around like week two, week three. He should have been that, you know, he could have afforded to be a happy warrior here. I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Especially if you know you're going in with a charisma deficit, which I'm sure he's aware of because everybody has communications people around them. Why wouldn't you be showing some enthusiasm then in that case? Well, 
That's a very good question. Right? I mean, everything was grabbed. The first person who would have just been a little happy or flashed a smile somewhere along the way probably would have got a lot of breasts because this was dour. It was pretty um, dour. Yeah. You know, just a little bit, a little bit maybe. And then somewhere along the way when it seems that, um, well, Premier Ford Edsel figured he had it in the bag, um, <laughs> there seemed to be a turn in the campaign. Um, you know, uh, Karima certainly felt the brunt of it. Yeah. A little bit of, uh, authoritarian, authoritarian dictatorship, fascism, sort of it's all of the above. Yeah. And then Sean O'Shea felt it a little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah. And then, and then Karima felt it again. Uh-huh. Yeah. The second time it's sort of like, like who's holding your database when she got the second invitation? Well, Right. And she RSVPs again. And they say, yeah, you're invited. Come. We can't wait to see you. Looking forward to having you. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Strange. It it sounds like luring to me. (laughs) Almost, right? Almost, right? Let's just bring you here and let's see what you do. And should you get a little uppity or show that you're a little overeducated? Well, we'll take care of you. It had well, that they, vibe to it, especially when that last video. But they didn't video, even let her in the door, though. Yeah, but that last video at the end, you know, the the see you later little comment. Yeah. Like this was that little smirk. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I I heard stuff under there. There was like some silent letters. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. It well, just, Karima will be joining us later this evening. Absolutely. Uh, what, 8.30-ish, something like that? I, Eight o'clock or eight thirty? I can't remember. I know David Moskop will be joining us this evening. Yes, um, we got a we got a bunch of guests coming in tonight, so this should be a lot of fun. And and we're going to try and make this as much fun as we can because after all, it is politics, which is, tends not to be the most joyous of <laughs> of events, and especially yet, these days. Well. <laughs> But it really has become a spectator sport. And when you consider what's going on, my goodness gracious, um, you know. Well, let us put it this way. I mean, if it, if it was about entertainment, we'd, it's, a, it's a Michael Bay blockbuster, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Everything gets blown up. Yes, we just lead someone to land on some type of asteroid, right? And I mean, holy cannoli. I'm just, I mean, just today, I mean, the news about, Lisa McLeod, like mm-hmm. okay, and and this reminds us very much of like that wait, conversation wait, wait. we had the, the geofencing. Oh, the Lisa geofencing, McLeod. yes, yes, yes. But sorry. remember when we had David Kleiman yep. on like this, and they yes. were talking about that other. Uh, I don't think that that person in Alberta was from the UCP party. I think it might have been from another party, but they had her tail too. Or was mm-hmm. it in Manitoba? Uh, no, Alberta. Yeah, Alberta. It was yeah. Alberta. Yeah, and it's like is all of a sudden like wait a minute like once is like. WTF twice is now we're starting to see a pattern here, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's three for a pattern, but twice should make your ears prick up. Right. Right. And uh, so I'm not comfortable with that. And, you know, and then, you know, not letting people in, I don't know. I just, somewhere it took a turn where it seemed to be very, very, very clear that if this guy gets another majority, he's like, there will be no questions for the next four years. It's oh, very yeah, he, thuggish. He, well, and not only that, I mean, come on, he's got, he's got how many media companies in his pocket? Yeah. And that's what uh, David Wallace talked about today. Now, we're not really going to get into that because we haven't had a chance to really uh, talk to David yet, but I'm hoping to get him on the show at some point in time. Uh, not trying to steal Dean's thunder at all. It's just we are a political show, and this guy's talking about some serious political stuff. So I think it would be interesting to have like a uh, have him in someday. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Absolutely. provided we, we're going to have to get him on soon though, because, um, some of the things he said, uh, leads one to believe that he might not be, um, on this earth for much, you know, a whole lot longer. You know, he's in remission right now. Hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully he lives a long and fruitful life, but, um, yeah, he's got people who are, have a vested interest in not him, wanting him to speak. That's right. Yes. Um, he, he, ha he knows where the bodies are buried. All of them. Almost. <laughs> yeah. And where one more may have been. Well, almost, yes. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, you know, watching him today and I'm thinking, you know what? Okay, uh, I am in a bit of a bias confirmation echo chamber because everything he's saying, I have no reason to doubt. I have every reason to believe it, but nobody's ever said this before. Yeah. Now, do I start to sound like one of those whacked out conspiracy theory guys? Well, there's probably. always that possibility. You probably sound like one, yeah. 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 But, but, <laughs> but the same token, I'm not saying it's absolutely true. I'm not saying that, but yeah. here's a man who, if he's an actor, he's an Oscar winning actor because he was convicted in every word he spoke. He was serious. He, you know, I mean, if he's lying, it's because he believes his lies. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was lying. He seemed, Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I, some hyperbole in there, but uh, I think the guy was pretty authentic. So we'll definitely want to follow up with him. Well, in terms of facts that we do know, mm -hmm. the story seems to dovetail well into facts that we do know. Oh yeah. So, I mean, in terms, if you're looking for obvious inconsistencies, it's kind of hard to find them. Well, uh, look, I've, I've been but, saying for over 30 years that the reform party was a bunch of a group of religious zealots. And I even dropped an N bomb at the beginning when, oh, yeah, I said, Preston Manning, he's one of those fellows from Germany from World War II. Mm. I'm not saying that word uh, on the show because I don't want to invite any of those people. Oh, David is here in the waiting room. Oh, fantastic. We bring him on in? Well, why not? Yeah, come on in, David. Come on. Join, join the party. Hey there. <laughs> How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very happy to be here. I'm excited about this, but I have a, like a feeling of a... <laughs> just general trepidation. Yeah, pretty much. A little bit, a little bit. You know. <laughs> um, David, uh, I mean, first question, I guess the obvious one, how are we too dumb for democracy this time? Oh, we're just getting right to it. Yeah, why not? Well, no, I, I got a question. Before we dive in, no, what's in the glass, sir? Ah, uh, yes. This is un This is not sponsored. This is this is free advertising for uh, Elijah Craig Small Batch. Oh, okay, yeah, no, very nice, very the nice. Father of, of bourbon, for yeah, yeah. the. Uh, grandfather of all disappointing election night <laughs> the father of urban for the grandfather of all yeah that's that's you know it's funny is is the book so the, you know the questions in, in reference to my book which yeah. somewhere here i'm supposed to you know you're supposed to promote it but i don't mm -hmm. think i find it somewhere it's i got one copy on a shelf here somewhere um, but it's funny because if you were to make a list of the things that you would think people cared about in an election and a democracy, it would be things like, well, we want accountability. We want debate. We want substantive policy. We want to make sure that our representatives and the incumbents who are up for election are in a space who are trying to meet the people where they are responding to our questions and our concerns. Uh, and we got basically none of that in this election. 
right? We had you know right. four folks roughing up protesters, hiding from the press, uh, hiding from the public, uh, not having a platform, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and everyone sort of said, eh, whatever. I mean, they, they couldn't yeah. do less. It was all vibes. It was no substance, all vibes. And it looks like it worked. And so you know, in, in a sense, we were given nothing and we were happy with it, at least a, a plurality of people. Although it's important to note this, you know, Ford will win, presumably win tonight with something like 36 to 38 percent of the vote, maybe slightly higher. Mm-hmm. That still means that something like 60 percent of people would prefer someone else. And that's not even counting folks that didn't turn out. So it's not exactly like the entire province was super keen on Doug Ford. It's mm-hmm. that we had an electoral system that was, you know, keen enough for those who turned out to return them. And we're just going to have to live with that for another four years, assuming he gets a majority. Oh, that's just disturbing in so many ways. No, not right. But why was, I mean, I can understand the part people saying that, okay, we want COVID to be over. Let's not rehash this. We should have. I mean, people died. Yeah. (laughs) Way too many than should have, right? Yeah. I mean, and every single attempt at reopening was completely botched, costing us more lives and billions, probably. Mm hmm. So, like, there's just been everybody's just sort of slept walk through this, and there's like been zero accountability. And I don't, I like how how do you hold an election and no one shows up? Well, we do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> we do it all the time. We do it federally, we do it provincially, and it, it you know it actually maybe contrary to to pop belief, it takes a lot to lose an election as an incumbent in this country. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you got to work to lose. Yes. And typically it comes at the end of people being just extraordinarily sick of you. Uh, and that applies to the left in, in many cases. For instance, in British Columbia, the history of the NDP, um, there's plenty of examples of that. It, it, you know, it certainly applies to the right in Ontario and Alberta. It applies to the center, uh, you know, federally with the liberals who have governed far more often than they haven't throughout the, the last century and into this one. So, well, not quite this one yet because it was dominated by Harper for, for a, a decade, but they'll get there if the, if the pattern holds and it probably will. So it's sort of what we do. And, and it takes an awful lot to, to dislodge them. And, and there's probably a bunch of reasons for that. One of them is that, you know, people's material interests in a lot of cases are being met. Right. Uh, not everyone's, but enough, at least those who turn out. Their symbolic interests are often represented by parties. Ford's a great example of that. He's, he's, taken up the sort of faux populist mantle and yes. that's gone a long way for him. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact is we don't, we have an electoral system in which parties are able to take again, 36, 37, 38, 39% of the vote targeted. They're getting better and better at this and return governments. They don't need to get 50% of the people, 60% of the people. They need to find 38% of the people in a handful of ridings across the province or the country, as the case may be, and get them to turn out. They don't want everybody voting. They don't care. They can, they can what they, what you call it is an efficient vote. They can just focus on the places that will return them. So it's pretty much a system that's designed for medium to large scale displeasure. But the, the answer is like, what are you going to do about it? What's the alternative? You know, you push for PR, you push for better parties. These are extraordinarily difficult grassroots uh, battles that you're up against a system yeah. and, and you're not getting it. So it's, it's, it's tough. And so we muddle along. Well, I still, I, 
During this entire campaign, the one question that nobody in either media or even in even in the debates asked, and I'm going to go into the Skippy the Wonder Pigeon voice, where's the five billion, Doug? The five billion. Where's the five billion, Doug? Where's the five billion? The five billion. Where's the five billion, Doug? The federal money, the five billion. Where is it, Doug? Nobody, you know. But nobody would care. I mean, it, it, you know, here's the thing is that the stuff that you would expect people to care about hasn't really been mobilizing people, right? Dodging the media, roughing up protesters, hiding from debates, losing five million, killing everybody's or letting die everyone's grandparents, uh, you know, neglecting LTC, underinvesting in healthcare, underinvesting in education, underinvesting in, in disability support, underinvesting in, uh, you know, minimum wage and, and workers, not being able to get stickers to stick and license plates to light up in the dark. I mean, you know, that seems to have resonated with, with a handful of people, uh, but certainly not enough to motivate them to, to dislodge the government. Again, unless you account for the fact that actually, you know, 60% of people would prefer not Doug Ford, but not certainly not a plurality of, of uh, vote switchers that you would require to dislodge him. And so the people just aren't fed up. That stuff for many people is abstract. And then they look at, even though for other people, it's extraordinarily real. Yeah. Uh, and then they look at the alternatives and they look at Stephen Del Duca and they say, I don't really know him. I don't know what he's about. Doug Ford tells me he's Kathleen Wynne. They look at Horvath and say, well, she's been around for 10, 12 years. Uh, she's Bob Ray, I'm told. Uh, I don't trust the NDP. I better stick with the guy that I know. Right. And then but, here we go, right? So uh, so you end up with, with the same thing. And so the five billion doesn't, people are like, oh, well, you know, it's a lot of stuff was happening and uh, maybe that was a little bit dodgy, but I don't know these people. I'm told that it's going to go back to the bad old days of the liberals or the NDP and I can't countenance that. Uh, and, and that's probably enough to scare folks into the status quo. Uh, but but I will say this real quick. Doug's, Doug Ford's time will come. You know, if you look at the history of, of, of voters in this country and, and provincially in many cases, too, you get, you know, a, a first uh, election, you win a second election, third, fourth people get a little bit frustrated and they're ready to vote the bums out. And if you, I mean, federally, for instance, look what happened to Diefenbaker. Look what happened to Mulrooney. Look what happened to right. Christine Martin. Uh, yep. You win until you don't win and then you lose. You really lose. Well, well yeah. effectively what took place in the last election, right? People had been fed up with the liberals. And I think, I don't know if people were fed up with the liberals as much as they were fed up with Dalton McGinty. So he stepped down Kathleen Wynne took over. I thought she was a huge improvement over him personally, personally. Uh, but eh, you know, I think people were just so fed up and said, no, we got to change it. We got to get rid of it. That's it. It's done. And I think that's what happened. Uh, but sadly they, they, they bought into a, um, a plan, mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't a plan. I mean, they had no platform. They had nothing in the last election, a buck of beer, and I'm going to get beer in corner stores and I'm going to rip out this. And I, like all he did was harm. He punched down, as you always say, David, he punched yeah. down continually and he's still doing it. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Plans in politics are sort of overrated, right? I mean, we think that we should care about plans and we think that everybody should care about plans. And then we're reminded that people care more about vibes than plans. Right. Um, you know, either implicitly or expressly. And even when they care about plans, if you sort of sit down and say to them, okay, well, let's talk about these plans. What are the plans of the different parties? What are the trade-offs? What, 
what do they actually mean in detail? Most people don't really know, right? They're sort of like, well, you know, he wants to raise taxes or lower taxes, or he wants to spend more, or she wants to spend less or whatever it might be. But when you press them on it, they don't actually really know what the details are. And, then that, and that's not an intelligence thing. I'm not saying people are, are stupid. That's not it at all. Uh, it's right. that they're just not dialed in. They're not taking the time. They're not spending their resources on figuring this out because for whatever reason, it's just not worth their time and effort. Mm -hmm. uh, they, per they certainly could, but they don't. They have the capacity to. They don't exercise it. They go off of what they're hearing in the media, so, but, but in, in a fairly light way. They go off on what their relatives are saying, their friends are saying, what other heuristics, mental shortcuts are saying, people they trust. They say, well, you know, if that woman or that guy that person over there seems to think this party is okay. That's good enough for me, right? Or I heard it over at the at the, the, the corner store or whatever it might be, hanging out at the gym, and that's good enough. Or I'm going to vote the way I voted last time because it didn't, you know, it didn't turn out so bad last time, and I'm okay. And then you get more and more of that. Uh, but the fact is, we don't really expect our citizens or or prepare our citizens in this province or this country to be active, uh, deep participants in our democracy. They're extraordinarily passive, incidental sort of um, subjects of, of government, not, no. not or obje objects of government, not right. subjects of government, right? And politicians are perfectly happy with that. They love that. It's far yeah. easier for them to do their jobs when that's the case. But here's my thing. I understand the people. Why did the parties not show up? Uh, that's a fantastic question. I just had to pause there. My dog, I have a dog. She's super oh. anxious. She's oh. very, I don't know if you can see her. She's the, yeah. she's the most wonderful little puppy I've ever met. But oh. earlier today, she was, uh, had a little bit of separation anxiety. And oh, she okay. ate her frozen pizza off the counter. <laughs> I mean, she, Sam is all of us tonight, you know? <laughs> eating, eating, you know. Presumably, most of us are cooking our pizzas or getting them cooked and delivered. She's eating frozen. She's cutting out the middleman, just going right for the frozen. Let <laughs> keep an eye on her. Uh, but you know, the, the parties. Um, well, they showed up to fight one another. The opposition parties. I mean, the liberals and the, the new Democrats showed up to to fight an election against one another. Uh, right. Of course, for Doug Ford, that was perfectly acceptable because that meant there was limited uh, attention paid to him, maximum attention paid to the liberals and the NDP, which opened up a, a huge door for Ford to just let them go. You know, he's like, all right, that's like a bar fight. You're just like, nope, I'm out. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to step outside and let them do the brawl, come back when it's all over, finish my pint, which yeah. is actually what Doug Ford's done. And yeah. The battle was, okay, well, you know, which which of the parties can can replace Doug Ford? And the answer seemed to be no one, neither of them. And then the implicit debate throughout the, the campaign was, okay, which of us can finish second? And so what you've ended up with is a battle for second, which is effectively what the, the election has been. And and who knows? We'll see how it goes. It, it's looking at this moment like it, it could be the NDP. The liberals could, in theory, do it. Uh, but the question is, is the parties are probably asking themselves and this will come from the spin masters later. So watch for this tonight as we see the results, what counts as a win? Because you think a win is a win, but that's not true. Right. A win for the Tories is a majority government. Absolutely. What's that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It has to be a majority or nothing. Exactly. A win right. for the NDP is going to be holding on to official opposition. Right. And a win for the liberals is going to be regaining party status, official right. party status. That's what the parties will call a win. And we'll just go through another four years of this. That's the party system that we have in Ontario. It's, the election is a function of that. 
and that's and the electoral system is uh, the and the election is a function of the electoral system. So you know the the structures and the rules are going to dictate a lot of what's done and the outcomes. And look at the party system. The fact that we have four parties, I mean four real parties, yeah, uh, yeah. seats, which you could say, uh, yeah. and uh, we have an electoral system first past the post that forces uh, voters to to make difficult trade off decisions and allows parties to form government with thirty six to thirty nine percent of the vote. And that's mm -hmm. the breaks. It's not great, but there isn't a groundswell among the population to change it. But how do you lose focus that way? I mean, isn't the point of the election to try to finish first? What happens well, along the way? Do they just really hate each other that much? That I think they do. I mean, I think they do. And, and in some sense, it's it's a family affair because they really are trying to occupy a similar space. The, the Liberals right. and the NDP aren't the same party, uh, but they are closer to one another than than certainly than either of them is to to the Ford government in many ways. And in some ways, the Liberals are closer to Ford than the NDP. But in general, you you could lump the NDP and the Liberals in this province together as a sort of like liberal center left coalition who in theory under PR would be more likely to govern together depending on the leaders perhaps than they would with the conservatives. Right. Mm -hmm. And NDP folks don't like to hear that. Uh, but the fact is they're all liberal parties. Uh, the the, the yeah. provincial NDP is not a socialist party. It's a liberal party. It's a, it's a social progressive party. It's a social uh, democratic party. It's not a socialist party. Right. Uh, we don't really have socialist parties in this country. Not, 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 mainstream popular ones yeah um and and so they spend time trying to distinguish you know themselves from the other who are fairly close to them uh and, and that's not going to cut it when you're up against ford and so here we are it's it's again it's a it's a product of, of a structure that that pushes the parties in this way it's not great mm -hmm. but what do you do right like the question is what do you do and, and this is a debate i've been having with myself and with folks on the left lately like what electoralism using the electoral system to to produce change i think is extraordinarily important absolutely yeah but it's not, suffi but it's not sufficient on its own uh, and we yeah. see that time and time again and so i mean i took a little bit of heat for being a little bit dismissive you know online because i was really irritated and frustrated uh, but, you know, social movements, activism, protests, stuff outside the electoral system is extraordinarily important. That that activism is absolutely central. And I understand why people say, I want nothing to do with this. And they just check out. But yeah. the fact is that in many cases, you need to take all of that energy, all of that movement, all that organizing and cash it out somewhere. It's like, well, where do you cash it out? In a lot of cases, it's the electoral system. But so we've got to find a way to, to you know, to get that that energy, that movement, those ideas, those people and translate it into electoral outcomes so we can get policy and law. And, but the onus is, is going to be certainly just as much on the parties, especially the NDP, as it is on the folks who, who are working outside the electoral system, because it seems to me that the NDP isn't listening to the right. social movements and activists who are trying to push them to be better. That's true federally, it's true provincially in many cases too. Yeah. Uh, and that's not good enough, especially right now. So I hope they're gonna have a, a long think, a deep reflection when this election's over and say, Something's got to give, and we need to go back to the grassroots. We need to go back to activists and, and to to the, our folks and listen to them and come back and do better. Give them a reason to turn out. Right. So, agreed. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent agreed. I mean, we've been saying this for the long, longest time, right? We've been trying to get people to understand, you know, that 
for example, voting in party leadership races is probably where you're going to get more bang for your buck. I mean, yeah. if you want better, that's where you select the candidates that are going to be on the ballot. If you want better quality candidates, start there. Yeah. And, and also, you know, mobilizing candidates in your riding, right? I mean, and, and taking over executives. Uh, there is an active debate about just how much you can do with electoralism. And, and if it's going to do anything, it's, it's going to be because people have gone in and said, okay, we need to remake these parties. And that happens by taking over executives at the riding level. It happens by getting better candidates at the riding level. It happens by, as you mentioned, electing leaders uh, who are going to better align with that sort of grassroots, uh, dare I say populist, because it's not inherently bad word populist, uh, no. populist politics. And I, I think that's doable. Of course, people will come back and say, well, then why don't you do it? Um, and of course, the answer is it's inconsistent with, with the job that I do. And it's you got to kind of pick, right? Um, and this is what I've chosen to do. And people certainly can ignore me and not follow this advice because I think it's it's uh, ineffective, inappropriate, or, or, or simply inefficient. Uh, but I think it's probably true. Uh, but the fact is, like, a, there's a lot of people out there who are very smart, very dedicated, doing very hard work. Um, who the party should be listening to because they could produce a better party and better electoral outcomes. But that requires, you know, the consulting class and the party brass who've been there for a long time to listen and to sometimes step aside, which can be sometimes a challenge for them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing we don't really have. I mean, we don't really have a strong tradition of grassroots mobilization, sort of a Stacey Abrams style, right? right? This is what we sort of have to start probably building now because the game is changing on us. Yeah. And, and in fact, if you look at what well, I mean, we'll see with the conservative race, what happens, but, you know, in theory, that's what, what Patrick Brown is doing right now. Uh, it's what Pierre Polyev might be doing. He's certainly doing it rhetorically. Uh, he's getting a lot of people out to, to his rallies. The question is, okay, well, that translate to memberships and votes. That's, that's a separate question. But if, if he's building an organization from these folks, uh, making them into volunteers, members who are going to show up, members who are going to be dues-paying parts of the party, then in theory, that's what the right is doing right now. And they're supported by an apparatus. They've got, you know, friends in the media who are who are sympathetic. They've got, uh, you know, think tanks and, and intellectuals who are sympathetic. Uh, you know, that's the sort of structure that you need and the sort of structure that the left should build upon because it exists on the left and in the center, but it's it needs to be built upon and it's absolutely yes. central to the endeavor. So, uh, you know, it can be done. It needs to be done. It's not being done particularly well right now. <laughs> well, yeah, you can uh, say that again. <laughs> maybe, you know, a little bit. We're, we're having some pizza, by the way. Yeah, Shelly. Yeah, some meat lover's pizza with... Uh, I finished half of one earlier, and, and now, you know, it's going to be hours where we get the results by the sound of it. Yeah, so we're going to... We just we had just arrived a couple of minutes ago. I don't know if you saw the pizza guy showed up, so I paid him, and then uh, we're going to have a slice now. We'll have another slice later, and uh, I don't know how late we're going to go, but we'll see what the numbers look like and play it by ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in I theory, we should have known at 9.01. It looks like that's perhaps not going to be the case because there's some writings that are going to be delayed in reporting because there were some incidents um, at, at trying to get uh, everything set up and go as, as happens. I mean, this stuff happens. It's yeah. especially years into a pandemic. Um, but I mean, I think we all kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. We actually have uh, Ryan Lindley. If uh, you want to come on, Ryan, he was um, sending us some information from what's yeah, going on here. Um, there you go. Uh, Hi guys. Oh, it's so nice to see his face. 
<laughs> Rob, I'm just I'm just here to to bust your chops about your whiskey because I know your whiskey's better than mine tonight. What's yours? I got uh, actually. I'm, it's just a, a standard old copper pot Forty Creek. This evening, oh, it's a nice Canadian whiskey, though. Can well, I, it used to be. It's now can I, only... can, I, can I just say, as as someone who is a big whiskey fan of, of whiskeys, you know, from this country and around the world. Uh, the best whiskey is the whiskey you like the best, and the best way to drink it is the way you like to drink it the best. I I'm, I'm not a whiskey snob, I gotta say. I hear you. Uh, you know, let people enjoy what they enjoy. And as a, like as a whiskey fan, I see my job as trying to, you know, enable people to try things that they might come to like. Mm-hmm. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Yeah. That's no, I, 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 community. I, you know, we're all in this I, together. I totally agree. I was a. Uh, I was a brand ambassador for a, uh, a smoker company, like a, a meat smoking apparatus barbecue uh, back in the day. And I had um, them send me, and this is what this is where my like one of my loves of whiskey came in. They sent me this little box and you can actually take your glass of whiskey and place it in the box. And it's like a little smoke chamber and you light whatever sort of smoky flavor you like. And it will actually smoke a glass of whiskey, a single glass of whiskey for you. And I thought, this is so. Are, are we swearing on this podcast, boys? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Are we okay. This is so fucking pretentious and so fucking <laughs> like hipstery. I love it. Was it I good? Loved it, Dave. I'm telling you, whenever we finally do the 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 meat of all of us, I'm bringing the box with me just for you, yeah. so you can try because it it's it's absolutely fantastic. But I don't want to. This isn't a whiskey show. I could I be. came with some. In, I came. Uh, well, it could be tonight. Giving the viewers and listeners some advice might become handy. So I'll go right ahead, guys. You, you might be right, Douglas. You're you're, you're not wrong. Uh, I just figured I'd come on to give give you guys a chance to chew on your pizza, and I I'd, I'd give you some details on. Uh, uh, there's 27 polling stations in Ontario that are actually extending their uh, voting hours uh, due to the malfunction, uh, and they're and it's it's broad. Like it's not just like. Um, certain strong like literally the conspiracy theories have already started that these are conservative strongholds and they're trying to suppress their concern it's dominion voting systems and (laughs) remember america and donald trump and it's it's actually comical um but the it's broad spectrum across the province it's everywhere uh but they've all anybody that was affected even if it was only for a few minutes they are extending some polls up to two hours at this point so you can vote if it was affected up until 11 o'clock in some stations. So I would suggest checking uh, Elections Ontario uh, social media. They have a list. Um, Most mainstream media places have lists out right now as well. It just came out within the last 15 minutes. It's very like breaking who is going to stay out until one time. Some of them are only 15 minutes. Some of them are 45. Some of them are two hours. So if you were affected and you're worried that you're not going to get your vote in, you will get your vote. Get in line. Go Good. vote right now. Yeah, and make sure to go to the Elections Ontario website. Go go straight to the source. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen a media release from them yet, and I also don't have an, a reason for the outage yet, either that has been confirmed by them. Uh, one thing that is really interesting uh, is, uh, speaking of Elections Ontario, is certain rules that we have to follow while we are voting. And that includes, um, in this day and age, you need to know that you can't bring, you can bring your phone with you, but you cannot take pictures. You can't do, um, any, any sort of media from inside of the, uh, of the polling station. And it's all, and 
way. You, yeah, absolutely. Even yeah. still cameras back in the day before Facebook and Twitter, you could never take a picture. Like press was never allowed in to take pictures. You couldn't have your scrutineers with the camera, anything. Well, we all know that the rules don't apply to all. And that oh. includes, includes Stephen Lecce, who oh. we see here voting today um, on his Instagram uh, at the voting the... station. Uh, so if you're listening violation. to the audio, yeah, if you're listening to the audio only uh, portion of this podcast, we've uh, posted a picture of Stephen Lecce's Instagram, uh, which shows him clearly behind the polling or the voting booth in the polling station with a big smile and his tight pants, and uh, voting for I'm sure himself, of course. Uh, so this this that part right. <laughs> this is what you cannot do right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you want your vote to count and you do not want to be removed by elections, Ontario staff, do not do this. Oh, no, don't, don't, God. don't. Your your vote will be. And don't take a picture of your ballot. I've don't seen that too. You know, yeah, pictures of your ballot. Yeah. If... <laughs> and again, like we we could debate how serious those rules are and people are excited. They're enthusiastic. They want to, whatever. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not super pedantic about it, but like, it's not worth the hassle. It, well, you got to know, you got to know damn well that if Stephen Del Duca did that, oh. they'd be with a microscope, right? Oh. With a microscope. So they'd yeah, no, just don't just, just cop on him. you know what? Unilaterally, uh, nonpartisan, just leave your camera at home, go vote yeah. and yeah. come home and talk about it on Twitter. That's fine. And there's, yeah. Yeah, there's our friends. Yeah. So. If you absolutely have to do it, could take a photo, do it like I did outside the polling station. And, and yeah. be nice to the poll workers. I got I, and this is, yes. you know, these yeah. things are run by people who are trying to do their best and, and they mm -hmm. are, you know, central to the, to the machinery of this. And it works so well, 99 out of a hundred times. And there's some trouble. I went to the poll station today and the, worker asked me for a second piece of ID, which I didn't require. And so I sort of like very gently said, no, you know, this is, you can just take my driver's license. And it was like, and it was fine. We worked it out. Uh, but I know there were some people who were a little bit more frustrated and uh, it's been a frustrating two and a half years of this whole thing, no doubt. But these people are out there doing pretty important work and, and uh, being nice to them is, is pretty important. Actually, you should be nice to almost everybody. Absolutely. Almost everybody. Not, like, not for and let you, but, most people, yeah. I think a lot God, of people don't have that uh, that that sense that they they think that somehow the people that are at the polling stations are actually connected to um, a party. They're not. They're they're very nonpartisan. They're not even allowed to wear the colors of the parties. That's correct. Okay. Well, I mean, I can. Someone was sent home today. They showed up in a party color and they were sent home to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could vouch for that because at the federal election, I decided to to work at a polling station for the first time. Everybody should oh, do it at least once. Everybody should yeah. do it. So, I mean, I couldn't do a show like this for the federal and I couldn't comment for anywhere on Twitter anywhere for like 24 hours before you couldn't wear a party color. And if you think that it's, I mean, just the process of how the votes are counted and then double checked and triple, like there's no cheating. Yeah. yeah. Best elections in the world. I mean, we, we, the one of the things we do extraordinarily well, I mean, it's I'm, I'm as critical of the province in the, in the country as anybody probably in the entire world. But the fact is, one of the things we do extraordinarily well is run elections. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Elections Canada are, are quite literally second to none. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many, when was the last time you ever heard of, uh, oh, that, that, that's an incorrect ballot or a spoiled, you know what, not a spoiled ballot, but, but a fake ballot or somebody voting, voting under a dead person's name or, or something to that effect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not something that uh, that's main mainlined here. Uh, up until now, I'm sure today, after today, when you open Twitter tomorrow, 
and you open conservative Twitter tomorrow, I'm sure <laughs> all the stories will be there of people with guns forcing you to vote for liberals and progressives. <laughs> you know, it'll all be there tomorrow. But as of, I, I think you're absolutely right up until now, we're actually known worldwide as a democracy that has one of the most secure, um, stable voting systems in the world and mm -hmm. i'm proud of that as a canadian oh, yes. and Absolutely. i think you, everybody should be no matter what your party stripe is or if you even have one just be proud of the fact that we're lauded as as one of the best so and, and you know what the secrets are i mean one of them is that our politicians for the most part not entirely but pretty close don't politicize it mm -hmm. so there, there is a respect for the norm of you kind of stay away from elections canada and elections ontario elections bc elections whoever it might be that's not universal, but it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, point one. Point two is not too much technology. Uh, no. You know, they have automatic tabulators in some jurisdictions, Ontario, for instance. So if you went today, you would have seen, you know, your thing is fed into a machine, but you mark an X with a pencil or a Sharpie. Uh, we had Sharpies today. I, I was used to pencils. Yes. Sharpies. Um, yeah, but you just mark it with a pencil or Sharpie. You feed it in, and then people go through and they check it. Uh, I remember being in front of parliament, a parliamentary committee a couple of years ago talking about this. And one of the questions they asked us is, you know, should we look at e-voting? Should we look at online voting? And the consensus was, don't go anywhere near that stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we can make voting more accessible. That's very important. There were some accessibility issues today I saw online from folks who had um, issues getting into buildings. These things happen. They need to be dealt with and taken seriously. But like, one thing you don't want to do is go into e-voting to go into online yeah. voting. It's just not worth it. You can't secure it. And anybody who knows anything about this stuff will tell you it's like it's impossible to secure entirely. Is it really worth losing an election potentially to that? We've seen what happened in the U.S. in 2000, yeah. 2004, and 2016. Big no thank you. Sometimes yeah, analog it. is better. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you can see all the analog I have behind. David, you've got oh, my books are in my bedroom. This is this is vinyl. <laughs> I just thought they were really thin books. No, 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 no records. Well, I've been a DJ for forty-two years, so you know. There's nothing wrong. All of our, all of our vinyl are, are downstairs right now. Um, the books are some of them are up here, but uh, they're all downstairs. And can I tell you? So, so my, my partner Meg got the the Harry Styles LP the other day. She, it, yeah. man, great. what a, first of all, what a great album. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. There's a, there's there's vibes in that album of like Vampire Weekend and like a little bit of like very subtle Billy Joel and Beatles built into it. I'm working I'm on a huge it, Billy Joel, guy. but it's so good. On I've got a project turntable, a couple of Paradigm oh. monitor speakers, and let me tell you what what a fantastic album. Wow, it really is a great record. I listened to it front to back the other day on on one of the streaming services because they're not paying me. I'm not going to say their name. They're not a boy, but uh, yeah, I listened to it. And his his previous record. The first time I heard uh, the lead off single, I, I just he I think it was on SNL. He played it live just before the record came out, or it might have been the James Corden show. It was one of them, and uh, I was kind of like. What the hell was that? This is not this One Direction boy band. This guy's an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got chops. And, oh yeah, he does. And 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 I love. I don't know if you saw him during. Uh, I know we're a little off topic here, but Stop. it's a long night. I don't know if you saw him during Coachella when he had Shania Twain on stage. Yeah, I know. That was really cool. Man, he brought I feel Shania like a woman. Twain out, and oh yeah, yeah. He did a little speech. It was it was really quite adorable. I, I, Very. Look, I like the kid's music. He's good. 
He's good. Very good. That's really good. Somebody, somebody in the comments said we need another, another, we didn't start the fire and they're absolutely right. It would be 27 minutes long at this it point. Was, just the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we right. need new yeah. Billy Joel stuff. I mean, I know that he called it a day in, in the nineties on nineties. For his, he did a classical album that was sort of interesting played by Richard. Oh, Richard. Jo- yeah. Um, Very fantastic. I, I love his mat. I'm a huge Billy Joel nut. Just yeah. So you full disclosure. I they, actually the, the the most live performances I've ever seen by an artist is Billy Joel. Just so you're the aware. best concert I ever saw was Billy Joel at the Syracuse Orangeman Stadium with forty Three and a half hours, no breaks. Yep. He also That's single-handedly it. defeated Soviet communism. Yes, I yes. hate Ticketmaster and scalpers. I love <laughs> the man. I, I, I remember when he when he played in Moscow. In- yeah. What was that like 86 87 something yeah, like that? Yeah, maybe 88 something like that. And then, yeah, he did it, was it all a great for Lena. Yeah, yeah, he was the he broke he broke down the iron curtain. That's yeah. And, and it's funny is if you listen to the documentary about it called The Matter of Trust. Yep. And mm-hmm. if you if you listen I to the that. album recording watch the doc, you know, it was a fairly subversive tour. Um, you know, not just concert, but tour. And if you look at the translator and the things he's saying, you know, he 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 did a cover of The Times They Are Changing. And he sort of said, you know, this is one of my favorite songs by an American who was singing about a, t- a time of change in the 60s. You know, maybe that that resonates with you today. Mm-hmm. Glasnost, Perestroika, uh, Gorbachev, Soviet Union. And like it takes a set of stones to go into the Soviet Union at that time and basically say like, oh, your country is going through the 1960s, a big you know, revolution in values and rights and uh, and, and I will close on this. I could talk about this all day. Yeah, me too. Uh, the, the percussionist for one of my favorite songs, Allentown, which is one of the classic left yeah, songs. He, it's about, you know, there's a train. Like the train sound. And the guy made the sound by taking a giant steel pole and hitting it with a mallet. And that was it. Yep. That's it. Just yep. an analog. Man. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was, uh, if you, if you get a chance, it is, it is politically uh, um, sound for the conversation. So, folks, we are still talking about politics. Oh, yeah. He yes. was so, rep- like, he was very oppressed. I'll use the word oppressed um, liberally, like everybody else does now, um, mm-hmm. in Russia to do a lot of things where he, and that, that when he flipped that piano over, that was out of actual pure anger. rage yes. and yeah. anger. He did that because he was pissed off because the, the Russians put like state people in the front yeah. row. And he Are goes, he- I don't want these people here. I want yeah. fans here. I want them to. And nobody could enjoy themselves unless the state people weren't. It was it's a very telling documentary of uh, ah. of, of what happened. We put members of, Poli- of, of Politburo Party in front row to watch big American rock star play piano. That's it. That but was exactly about this it. Too, right? He talks about like, you know, it's hard to get energy going and you were watching the guys in the big hats. Yeah. But the crowd is like, but eventually they sort of warmed up and did get going. And if you see some yeah. of the thoughts, it's pretty wild. And, and it's truly, it's truly something. Yeah. But I agree. We do need another, we didn't start the fire. Me and too. I think that would be, uh, I well, mean, you know what, maybe that's something the Dean Blundell show will, uh, we will work on that. We the last three years. <laughs> Like it'll be an album last three years and it would be a full length double album <laughs> yeah. four sides and that's right. just from 2019 like, you could, i'm gonna I, i'm gonna jump out um i if i if i find anything else i will uh break back in with you guys cool. if uh, yeah. anything cool comes up but dave good to see you um i'm bringing the smoke box we're doing this
I'm in. I have Entire. to go as well. I got to go do another thing, but I, I'll okay. and then keep an eye on this dog. Sam, come here. This is what. <laughs> this is what <laughs> I hear. Did I hear you're right. Your dog ate a pizza. Frozen pizza. Yes. Frozen. Oh, Sammy. Oh, that's a. Look at this. What a cutie. Oh, look at you. I swear to God, my dog heard me talking dog voice. And he's here. Yes. Hello. Wonderful. There we go. Oh, Charlie Spaniels. Oh, terminal cuteness alert. Absolutely. Terminal. Yeah. So oh, he wow. heard me talking to your dog and now he's jealous. Oh, what a cutie. Hey, daddy's talking to some sort of other dog out there. That's right. <laughs> How dare you. No, 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 no. Doug, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, boys, it was great to see right, you. I'll, I'll jump back in. Dave, love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds Bye. good. See y'all. Thank care, Dave. Uh, David, take care. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate cool. that. Yeah. Trying to hoping to get, uh, ask Ryan if Ashley was going to be joining us as well. Oh, she'll probably join in a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. hope so. So here's something I'm just noticing uh, on one of the headlines today. Uh, I saw this earlier today, and, and you know, I scan the headlines during this show so we can bring it up. Um, Ontario's right to disconnect policy takes effect today. Mm -hmm. So remember somebody the other day said, name me one policy the Ford government has brought forth that was good. That's it. That's the only one. That's the only one. Mm. I mean, the right to disconnect. So basically, if your workday ends at 4 p.m. and you, your company employs more than 25 people, they have to have a written policy about how you can shut off your email and ignore it. I mean, I've been doing that for years. Mm. Well, it's, if I'm not being paid, I ain't working. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't provide free labor. Well, this but you know but, <laughs> but this, this is a labor of love this is a labor of love you know, <laughs> working towards something yeah so uh let's see what time is it now how far away are we well let's so just sick and see I'll, I'll just check over here on the, on one of the the uh, broadcast networks and see if we've got anything up okay there. all right um so uh about the the, the campaigns mm -hmm. um do you think, and it's something I want to ask David, but we got on, on other stuff, um, but that's okay. We'll ask someone else. Yeah. Um, might we be losing two party leaders tonight? Well, uh, I, I think, uh, I do think Andrea Horvath is, is pretty much done tonight. I think uh, if she doesn't come in second, I think she's finished. And I'm not calling it for Ford just yet. I mean, no. remember, who's controlling the polls? Who's releasing the polls? To, and, 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 you know, it's coercion. It's, it's, it's uh, vote massaging, trying to discourage people. Well, oh, yeah. if he's going to win anyway, why should I bother? Yeah. Well, the thing is, that's what he's relying upon. Yes, and we've been calling that. He's relying upon your apathy. Yep. Don't be apathetic. Get out and vote. Yes, and, and And again, I won't tell you who to vote for, but I will say ABC. Anyone but conservative. Mm. Yeah, don't vote for assholes. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I, I tweeted something earlier today, oh. and somebody kind of went, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that one. I said, look, unless you are a uh, effectively a cis het white male, rich, uh, you feel entitled, you have disdain for anybody who you'd think is lesser of you. That's the conservative Doug Ford voter. Yeah. If that person votes for Doug Ford, okay, I get it. Anybody else? No, you're voting against your own best interest. 
If you vote for this man, he's going to punch down. Remember that iron ring around the long-term care homes? Oh, he did. He put it around the shareholders, not around the tenants. It's true. Right? So, and and let's not even get started on ODSP. We'll let we'll leave that up to Melissa when she comes in a little bit later on. She'll she'll if you haven't listened to the 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 podcast from oh my yeah. Uh, what was that Monday, Tuesday? When did we put that up? I don't uh, on the on the thirty first. It's been a blur of a week for me. I've been I had a crazy work week. But if you listen to it, or if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, you'll get a chance to listen to her later this evening when she joins us, and uh, she's got things to say. And it's an important message. It's one that needs to get out there. And and you know, I was we were really kind of pushing this message of get out and vote and don't vote conservative because this man wants to kick everybody off of disability and put them to work. I'm not going to get into the details of it. It was in the podcast, and yeah. we're, we're concerned with this current election that I'm monitoring on one of my other screens here. I have, I have a three-screen setup, sometimes four when I have a laptop open, and then a phone, and then i got a tablet, and he's got his phone. So we got lots of information coming in. <laughs> Plus, we've got uh, Rook is, is sending us information, Ryan's sending us information. So we're going to try and keep everybody up to date as much as we can. With that... Uh, another slice of pizza, sir? Absolutely. I'll grab it. All right. So, kids, uh, while we're waiting for our next guests to arrive, um, some of the things that I've uh, noticed about this election, uh, of course, uh, is the fact that a lot of the conservatives, uh, for some reason, just did not want to be interviewed or come out for debates. Uh, a lot of people have been referring to this as a peekaboo election. Uh, it even got so bad uh, at some point that in order to have some of the, well, to make sure that some of the great unwashed didn't uh, get close to him, uh, they were actually holding events on rooftops. Just, just let that sink in. It's like, you know, BYOL, bring your own ladder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good old Dougie. For the people. Well, not all the people, just the people that I want to be here and everybody else can, you know, piss off, basically. Mm-hmm. And we've been noticing, you know, that uh, there are certain people from whom he does not want to hear. And uh, there are certain people, obviously, throughout the four years that he certainly did not want to help. He certainly didn't have much love for any francophones. He certainly didn't have love for autistic children. Uh, He certainly didn't have much love for kids in care. Uh, He certainly didn't have much love, uh, you know, for our our family members who were in care. Anybody. Right? Um, And one of the people who... I mean, this one person probably got as much press as, well, got more press than a lot of the party party leaders, not not, not not than the four biggest ones, but you know there are more than four parties, and um, yeah, got everybody talking about her. And uh, I think it's time we should just uh, say hello. Bring her to on her. in. Let's yeah, bring her on. Let's in. bring her on in, Karima. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Enjoying some pizza. Awesome. We got some saw. <laughs> I see that. I am in the wrong room, obviously. You, you should be here. You should be having some. A little, little, little <laughs> shout out to Milano's. Good pizza. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Karima, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're really good. Happy, happy to have you here. Um, how are you feeling tonight? Uh... Well... You know, I think polls should be banned. Uh, I don't think there should be polls. I think that it really Great. disheartens people. And 
it ends up being influential and you can't actually measure that because how? Um, so that's my thinking. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, I've been getting some weird messages throughout the day about irregularities at polling stations. Um, so I don't know, you know, how much to read into that. Um, I'm currently in a very, I see nefarious activities everywhere I look. Um, so that's my thoughts. And we're in for a ride. Now, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I agree with you. No, sorry, I just yep, give me a second. I do agree with you about the polls thing. He might disagree because he likes polls. and But not like this. No? Okay. Not, 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 not the way they were used this right. time. Right. Good, good. Because this no. was done as an influence thing. This, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a clear difference this time. Because, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, you can't have a... The thing with the... I'm a little pissed off at Delta McGinty because he's the one that made these the minimum election time so short. There's not enough time for if you don't have a stumble within the first two weeks like this, you get the first two weeks and then you just coast. Right. And, you know, one of the I know a lot of people didn't like it, but one of the elections I liked the most was the one that Stephen Harper set that led to his demise because he said it really long. And he thought that he would have a lot of money and a lot of time to backtrack. It blew up in his face. But that gave time for stuff to happen. It's time for us to see, you know, an actual longitudinally, let's say that way, how you how you hold up under the stress and under the pressure. And he couldn't hack it. Right. And uh, I'm just two weeks and you go into the bunker and nobody does anything to smoke you out. How does that happen? I, I tried to do some smoking out, but it yeah, was you did. ineffective. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and as far as early voting goes, right, like within sort of such a short time span, then you've basically you've cast your vote, which fair enough. Um, and and I, I don't know what the numbers were like actually for early votes. Um, I don't think it was super high. Um, and you know, I thought it was around a million, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah, yeah, around ten percent or something. It was an increase over the last election by a, a good margin. Are you rocking a Hulkamania T-shirt? I am. Uh, yes, <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> cool. Oh, happy memories of kid childhood. <laughs> um, now, something came out in the news that made my heart very, 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 very happy. It seems that you are going to court as the plaintiff. <laughs> There's a plot twist. Yeah. Uh, uh, normally, I yeah. Normally, I am the one doing the representing. Um, so always uh, a fun opportunity to be the litigant. Um, certainly I will be defending against a trespass ticket. So that mm-hmm. is a for sure thing that will happen. Um, okay. As far as being the plaintiff or possibly an applicant, um, I am exploring options um, because I think that you know, what unfolded in in Hamilton. And for those who don't know, I tried to attend um, a Doug Ford rally that I had RSVP'd to. My registration was confirmed um, and I ultimately got arrested for trying to attend. Um, And Hamilton police issued this blatantly false statement um, Mm -hmm. that, in my view, tried to diminish the value of my political expression by portraying me um, as something that I wasn't. And mm-hmm. even though were there not one where you were a protester and the other one where you were a burglar. Okay. So the burglar one was actually one of those websites that scrapes articles and then just um, runs it through a translator and then runs it back through a translator. Um, so that was just a hilarious 
um, mix-up. Okay, okay. um, I was not burglaring anything, just no, to be clear. We, we um, but yeah, the, the original release said that I was with a group of protesters and we were all blocking the road and I refused to go, um, which was just a lie, just a straight up lie. Um, and then they kind of walked it back and said, well, actually, she was there to attend the rally and then refused to leave when they told her to leave. And so she was arrested. Um, but it's weird to issue multiple press releases for a provincial offenses ticket, um, which, you know, begs the question, who wrote this and why and to what end and what information were they using? Um, so those are answers that I would like to find out. Um, and, and court may be a way to do that. Well, and I hope that you uh, are able to punch up on this one. I'll be swinging. <laughs> I will be swinging. Oh, that. <laughs> if nothing else. Well, I mean, come on. What they did was wrong on how many levels? Forget, forget, forget about you know what the police did, the multiple releases, and, and the lies they told, and how they tried to defame you. Leaving that aside, the sheer fact that you had a written invitation to attend a rally that everyone was invited to not once but twice twice thrice actually it was three times yeah, yeah, three times three times total cool. three yeah. times total and he's like no you can't come in well i have a written invitation that you rsvp'd and said we can't wait to see you open to the public to everyone nope this is what he is so after like the second time like now now it's the third time it's like is there a legal argument to be made for some type of malicious intent keeping on inviting you um i mean you're all over the news surely the database i mean and it's like how many yeah and i wasn't i wasn't using there? a fake name or like an alternate email address i am completely transparent um and if i had received something saying uh you were automatically rsvp'd but actually we hate you so stay home you know that's fine yeah, but fair. let me know um, so they didn't do that. And, you know, that they're, maybe I can sue for the cost of my Ubers. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a go. Give it a go. Couldn't hurt, right? It'd be, be, be a lot of fun to try at least, you know, drag it out in the courts a little bit longer because if, if memory serves, you're, you're getting this pro bono, are you not from, um, oh, um, well, so there's like the, the, the trespass ticket defense, um, I'll be working with James Bowie, who okay. kindly offered to um, do it right. yeah, on, on his own, uh, on his own. Um, and yeah, uh, that and that's kind of in, in embarking on any kind of litigation, there's all sorts of things to consider. Um, so that's why I haven't announced a course of action yet, because I am still um, mm. figuring out exactly how I want to proceed. Okay, we got a stat here if you want to uh, let the kids know. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently as at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time in Ontario, voter turnout was 33% at that point. So with polls open still for four more hours. Yeah, so, well, at, at that point, yeah. yeah. Right yeah. now we've got 50 minutes left. Yes. Uh, except for areas that had power outages, and there's going to keep those open till 11 p.m. or later. So. Yes, so if you're in line there, stay in line past 9 o'clock. If you're in line, you get to vote. Um. What? That was also that included uh, early voting and mail-ins in that fact in that figure. So. Okay. Oh, then that's twenty-three percent turnout. Well, that's counted, right? So and that's yeah. as of five p.m. too. Yeah. So people are getting home from work; they'll go cast their ballot then. Yes. Um, the way uh, you were treated, um, 
and I mean, Sean O'Shea wasn't arrested, but I mean, you know, it was, you know, he was accosted, I think, in a more physical way than I was. Yeah, my, yeah. my wrists were cuffed tight, but I wasn't like pushed around. Yeah, okay. you, weren't, you weren't manhandled, as the saying goes. What I'm seeing this, and like I said before, you know, it just seems that if he gets a majority, it's like there will be no questions. He's just going to go into bunker. Decisions will be made. He'll come up once or twice every now and then to do something sunshiny that's scripted, and then he'll just vanish again. Because I mean. Lord knows he's won the political vanishing cream award already. Well, like three he, years running. So I mean, twenty three percent of the time he was in the House of Commons. I mean, like, and, and that the, I mean, isn't that the argument that that Jack Layton used to sink? Yes. <laughs> sink? Was it Ignatiev or, or Dio? I can't remember who it was. Never showing up for but, question period. But what I mean, you can't get close. You can't get in. Certain people are being singled out for very special treatment. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I mean, we had, I mean, Dean pointed out in one of his articles, I mean, a few days later, there was an event where three you know, white men came to the stage no to protest something and none of them got a ticket, but yeah, they you were... didn't even get in the building and yet you did. Um, what could be the difference between the situation? <laughs> like, uh, just... You know, I could speculate on a few things. Um, it definitely doesn't help that I look the way I do. Um, I think that that is just an extra irritant. Um, and... You know, I, I, it may speak to some level of efficacy in the work that I do um, as far as getting under Doug Ford's skin, whether mm-hmm. it's with comics or snark. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think that I am pretty gentle um, as a person uh, and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. make sharp observations. But I, I really like I don't go for the low hanging fruit of you know, his appearance or. Right. You didn't do that once, so not ever. So, sometimes maybe I, I lean too heavily into tropes um, with the, the imagery. Um, but I think it's it's fair game because that's what he looks like. Um, so what am I going to do? It's not well, it's not like they're not leaning into tropes when they're dealing with you. I'm just saying. Yeah, the unruly, the unruly protester. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, I couldn't get an answer, right, as to why. I wasn't allowed in. It was, you know, we've seen your Twitter. We know what you're about. You don't have the right intentions. What's all that of about? Which... That seems a little pre-crime. You don't have the right intentions, right? It's like a right. report there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 very, you know, it's very openly, um, openly, and we don't care who knows it that you know this isn't about having sort of democratic discussion or debate or, you know, and, and that wouldn't even necessarily be my intention as an observer at a rally. Um, but they don't even want sort of eyes on them. And, and that's the real story, right? Like the yeah, fact you're that just I got- documenting. You're just observing and documenting. Pardon me? You're just observing and documenting. That's it. So, so it's, it's really just kind of, if you don't like the way you look, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, right. But, you know, that, that projected onto me. And it, it, the real story, in my view, is that this is a pattern of lack of transparency and accountability and heavy handedness. Right. Um, so, you know, the fact that I went and got turned away is significant in the sense that, huh, that's unusual and kind of, you know, bizarre because I, I haven't done anything to warrant that 
Um, oh. But it's it's insignificant in the grand scheme of things because it's it's a drop in the bucket um, as far as the shady shit they do. Well, consider you were treated worse than the sausage maker who broke through the gates at Vito Hall with weapons in his vehicle. You didn't do anything close to that, and they treated that guy with kid gloves. Why is that? Hmm. Oh, I, I can't quite put my finger <laughs> on it. Maybe because he looks like me? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I need better not- hobbies, I guess. Uh, sausage making. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get away with it. Yeah, start making sausages, they'll treat you with kid gloves. No arrest for you. Bring us a couple of links and we're good to go. There's a pig joke in there, but I'm oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. <laughs> um, we have Melissa in the waiting room where, uh, to join us. Uh, Melissa, please come on in. Hello. Hi. How How's are going? you? Very well. How are you? Melissa, meet Karima. Karima, Melissa. Hi, Karima. Can I just say, super fan for years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just had to say it. Uh, that's why we kind of scheduled it this way. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, because you had mentioned it uh, before we had chatted in the officially <laughs> in the interview in our pre-chat that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've like been listening say. and I, I just, what's going on with you, Kareem, is just stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Um, before we start, we have, we have a, a question uh, from the, someone who is listening uh, and said, uh, Karima, are you surprised that Rebel News was turned away? Not entirely. Um, so they got turned away at the kickoff event as well. Um, I think after I, got, I had already left the building. Um, and so it could be a couple of things, right? It could be an attempt to distance themselves from you know, the stink of rebel media that it carries, Um, especially considering that Doug was one of the founding contributors, right? Um, Right. So I understand wanting to put as much sort of space between himself and that. Um, I think also they've been somewhat critical in their coverage of Ford, um, ironically, because they portray him as being too liberal um, or too in in line with uh, the, the COVID rules i i don't i don't ask me um but so it's possible he just doesn't like their coverage um and i think it's also plausible that you know it's an attempt to say well it's not just that we turn away karima it's you know it's brought and like the effect of that is putting me on the same list as david menzies and his hat um, which i find really offensive yeah yeah he's look i'm a hat guy and i'm that guy pisses me off. He's, <laughs> he's given a bad name to guys who like to wear hats. So. He did. He did bring a cheesecake yesterday, though, which I found a, a bit amusing. <laughs> uh, Melissa, um, we recently did an interview, uh, and we talked about the issue of ODSP. And one of the reasons I wanted to to put you together is because uh, you had mentioned some stuff that uh, curled our hair. Uh, and well, not mine, because there's none left. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I don't know if Karima had the chance to listen to it yet, but I was just wondering if you'd like to chat about it. And you know, the we have a different set of uh, listeners and viewers, and you'd might to. Uh, want to talk about what's going on uh, right under our noses and COVID has been a, a good distraction for it. And maybe Karima could give us an idea of uh, what there could be legally implicated in all of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, we went over quite a lot of stuff, so I'll try to kind of abbreviate it, but 
we're coming to learn about this U.S. company that has been um, Doug Ford put on this tender to do some changes to the social safety nets, Ontario Works and ODSP, and they're kind of making it look really great, but it's not what it yeah. seems. And these contracts went to this U.S based really notorious infamous terrible company with a horrible history and you know it's been happening under our noses while you know advocates have been screaming for attention and the press haven't listened they haven't dug into it the politicians haven't either they've just kind of paved right over everything right absolutely absolutely metaphor (laughs) the highway metaphor dug in his highway yeah, and like the alarming thing is, is that it's actually all out there in the open, but it's been so drowned out. And you can go on the, you know, Government Ontario website and find things. There's been articles, press progress, it's been really digging. But like advocates in, you know, the disability and low income spaces have been screaming. There's been a whistleblower come forward a few days ago, you know, this close to an election, couldn't get a party to care, couldn't get the news to listen and find out. I'm really curious to see if we're going to find out what this whistleblower is talking about, but seems it sounds like it's somebody that um, has an inside scoop on what's really going on in Southern Ontario, where this company is already active and they are known or they, they're across the UK, the U S and he basically sold out an entire division of our social safety net to this company who, yeah, they're linked to deaths and just, you know, like, in the US all uh, taking over Medicaid and all these programs where it's all about cuts, getting people off the system, no matter how disabled you are, forcing you to work or lose benefits, like that's their history elsewhere. So they're printing it up for their image. They incorporated a company in Canada so that they could pretend to Canadians that they're Canadian company, Mm -hmm. but they're already active across BC, they're everywhere. And, no one seems to want to listen. And it that, terif- that terrifies me because so much of it's already underway. And my suspicion is that the ink is drying a lot more. Now, what specifically is their mission? So they basically are hiring this company and they're sort of saying, we're going to reform the social safety nets and they're portraying it like it's this good thing, which if it, if it wasn't this company, it potentially could be a good thing up to sort of farm out employment supports, which are currently internal, so that like low income people on Ontario works and people on disability that have, you know, the ability to do some work can get access to, you know, job training and upgrading and education and stuff to get them into jobs, which can sound really great. But in the tender notice that Doug Ford put out, he made it clear that the clients, the labor market, not the recipients that are in need in the province. And this company's history is to cut and he has made it public over and over again. Everybody's heard it for years since he's been in power that it's not income, like there's not gonna be raises. They're not gonna lift us from our 45% of the way to the poverty line rates that he's gonna invest in getting us to work. But the other really, really horrible part is that he is going, it's right, it's all out there. You guys can all check it out. But um, People on Ontario Works, for example, waiting to be adjudicated for ODSP, which can take years because they fight you. Um, it's right in there. He doesn't want you on, like, with accessing ODSP. Um, people on Ontario Works, for example. Sorry, right. that was me. That was me. I fixed it. Oh, okay. I had a little problem on my end here. Apologies. Oh, okay. 
uh, please keep going. Yeah. So he, it, he basically, you know, there's some language in there that he uses to cauterize the flow from Ontario Works to disability. We already have, you know, so many barriers and people that get denied that are clearly eligible. And he wants to cut off that so pe- like to not have people going on to ODSP. So that's catastrophically dangerous and harmful. And then basically these new, this new company will, you'll be said to be assessed for you, what they say is your work capacity mm-hmm. and then try to get you into jobs and they get paid to take you on as a client. And then they make more if they get you a job and they get paid more if they get you off of the social safety net. So but they're, 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 they're motivated by profit to, to get you off the, yeah. Uh, yeah. out of the system and into a job. And yeah. at, and if the job doesn't work out too bad, so sad, I did my thing, then you're on and, your own. Yeah, and I think one of the most horrific things for me is that they are, you know, I use the phrase putting lipstick on a pig, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know, systems that are really broken, they want to pretty it up for the public that don't have skin in the game and don't know. So when you try to say this is horrible and it's dangerous and it's terrifying, People think you're being dramatic because they don't understand. But this company in the U.S. has a 68% rate of doing these work assessments on disabled people that end up being overturned at tribunals because there's, they're not doctors. Their job is to make extra profit for their company and their investors by getting people off. Their job is and, to find the rationale to say that you can work. Yeah, and 68% of the, of the cases so far have been overturned. Because they were clearly, they're not capable of working. So the fear is huge right now in the community, and it's a valid one. Yeah, so Karima, that's what I'm wondering. A corporation like this that has a 68% failure rate and telling people who are disabled, yeah, you got to go back to work. There's something wrong, right? Absolutely. And it, it sounds to me like it's, you know, introducing a middleman to sort of an existing system and and now you have these outsiders who are dictating how it should go and their incentive isn't to ameliorate people's circumstances their incentive is to meet quotas and to get people off the system by hook or by crook um and you know ultimately i don't see how that doesn't result in in people dying um, and in people, you know, losing their homes or not having a place to live, like falling through the cracks in very, very dramatic ways um, that most of us may not be aware of. Right. And, and that happens kind of silently. And, you know, just skimming the comments here, like long COVID is going to be a thing. Um, yes. So this yeah. is a problem for a wider segment of the population that I think is is currently aware of that. And the more it gets entrenched, the harder it is to undo that damage. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, it sadly gets darker because once you're cut off from supports. So the MAID program. Um, so Kareem, I've been on TikTok and, you know, had some videos blow up and I'm really connecting into the disabled community in Ontario right now. And the amount of people who, before this alarming development that we're finding out with Ford, were already considering next year when non-terminal patients can access it. 
Um, they're, they're, you know, deeply considering it and some have expressed they've already made up their mind. And then this news comes and, you know, I, 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 I almost get speechless at this point. Like again, today well, I could open my inbox sad. because I know that everybody is waiting for these results tonight and, you know, and I don't want to be the bearer of the worst news, but my concern is if the ink is dry, even if he wasn't to be reelected and, or, you know, or it was a minority government or whatever, if it's as deeply entrenched and a done deal as I suspect with good reason to suspect it is, how do we undo that? Like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm that's a big concern. They could cancel the contract. It's not like this current government hasn't done that a number of times already. It, I mean, he, he could just no. Whoever say say Horvath or Del Duca or Griner got in, say no. We're not we're not doing this to our people. These are citizens of our province. We're here to take care of them. Tear up the contract. We'll pay the penalty. Get the hell out. Don't ever come back. Mm-hmm. This should be run by the provincial government. The public the public system should be taking care of this. The, the health the, pro- the provinces have a mandate for health and education first. Right? So I mean, this should not be. If there's one thing that should not be like privatized, it's this. Um, Can I say something here on that? Um, My curiosity was I kept looking and the only people I seen discussing this in the last two years is like press progress and a lot of really great disability activists and low income activists that were getting no love from parties or anything. But I did touch base with an MPP this week and I asked and they, you know, the basically the response that I got, I wanted to know why this close to an election, this would have been very powerful. And why were these parties not discussing it and making sure it was breathlessly talked about, especially in light of like long COVID. And, you know, there are people that are not on disability that may end up there. There are autism families whose children are already being neglected and they're going to end up becoming adults that require these income supports. So there's a lot of people invested in this and it's a long-term problem. But I I asked why, why is this not being talked about? I mean, you need everything you can right now to try to get Ford out. And I didn't understand. And I was, it was explained to me that a couple of years back, they were talking about this U.S. company in Queens Park and, you know, they talked about it on the floor and then it got drowned out. That's what I was told. It mm-hmm. got drowned out. And then, you know, I sort of got this litany of reasons and they weren't all irrational. Like it has been a very chaotic couple of years. There's a lot going mm-hmm. on. But then I said, you know, are you are you telling me that you have zero understanding, like you have no knowledge at all of what's gone on since that time you talked about it two years ago? Like, are you completely unaware? And the one I spoke to was completely unaware and said, well, I don't know, what, you know, at the highest level in the party, if it's on their radar or not. But this person certainly was not informed and up to date on any of it. And that is so alarming because you know, if there's any power from any other parties after tonight and it's not a majority and it's not even on their radar. Like I can see if you weren't able to talk about it in the noise in the last two years, but you know, if there's any power from any other parties to do anything as an opposition or anything, but they're, they don't even know what's happened. They're paying zero attention that I'm thinking, you know, you guys were talking earlier about why people don't turn out to vote and that number you said 33% or whatever that are showed up mm-hmm. as a five or whatever. Like, how are you going to get people out to vote when you're so quiet and you're that out of touch about things that there are millions of 
disabled and disadvantaged, vulnerable people in this province. And you're that type. That scared me, to be honest. How many people are on ODSP currently? 500,000. There's 500,000 on ODSP, but there's a lot of people that are a step away from ODSP. Long COVID is going to bring new people, but it's not just ODSP. It's Ontario Works, you know, and, you know, employment supports through them could be an okay thing. You know, it could be very helpful, but this company's aim is not good. Low wage work is not the solution, you know, farming you out to these companies to be basically a slave with no benefits and leave you dired in poverty. But like the disability community is in the millions. And at any time, anybody else newly could become disabled. So it's not just the 500,000 are on it now. It's like the legacy that if this continues, what, what is, you know, it's going to affect a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Oh, yes. Well, like you say, I tweeted out this morning, the, the show we did with you the other day, and, and I said, mm. look, this is one story of one person. There are 499,999 more just like it mm-hmm. that we know about. Right. Because like you said, there's plenty of people who aren't on ODSP because you have to fight tooth, nail. You got to go to war practically to, to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Even just today, the desperation in the comments like of people, so many stories that it's, you know, they're in year three, year four. They're trying to, you know, and then Doug Ford cut legal aid. So you couldn't get legal help to go to the tribunal and fight, even though you had you met all the eligibility and you're profoundly disabled from the day you applied. And it's always been that way, but it seems that it, you know, if I'm just going by stories people are telling, it's taking even longer. And there's so like for for every person who gets approved, how many give up? Oh yes. Yeah. And what has happened to them? Like they're even more in the shadows than we are, right? I don't know what happens to those people, but they're out there. Well, and, and, and it's a conservative thing, okay? And I say this because in the previous federal conservative government, uh, when uh, uh, Aaron O'Toole, former leader, when he was a minister, he, under Harper's government, closed all the Veterans Affairs Office across Canada. So people are coming home, battle-scarred, PTSD from Afghanistan. You got nowhere to go. You got you to gotta get in line on online, get in line online and wait forever. And then because they tried to do this to my father. They will try and dissuade you. They will uh, throw so many roadblocks in your pathway to get what is owed to you, rightfully owed to you, mm-hmm. to avoid paying you. They hope you will either give up or die. Yeah. And, and it's, it seems to be a conservative thing. Punch down on the people who cannot punch up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I mean, Sorry. Uh, I was wondering... When this is going to start to come down, people are going to be, you know, given jobs that they can't hack. Is there any recourse for these people? Are you speaking to me? No, to Karima. Okay, I was going to say I didn't. I don't know that. Honestly, I don't know that either. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god, that frightens the heck out like, of me. Yeah, the way it works right now, if you have, um, if you want to dispute a decision within the ministry, whether it's Ontario Works or ODSP, if it's internal and you go to these tribunals, um, but they're getting harder to access and their backlog is growing, you know. And, and switching to a digital first approach, right? Which mm. inherently excludes people who right. may not have access to devices or minutes or Wi Fi or what have you. Um, you know, and, and, and that's not like there's issues with physical 
courtrooms as well. So it's funny, I've even like pre pandemic, you know, there were times where it's like, can't we just do a phone hearing? They can't leave their house. Um, but right now it's the opposite battle um, where, you know, we're talking about doing a full hearing on a payphone or something like it's, it's just, it's not. Uh, yeah. And, and th- these are all appointments, right. That are staffing these administrative tribunals. Um, and there are, there's a, a wide range of um, quality and expertise. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I don't have the stats to back up what I'm about to say, but uh, I do remember reading somewhere that the burnout rate for people who work in that environment is incredibly high because they're always delivering terrible news to somebody who is not in a position to have terrible news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's just the whole system is bad, just bad all around. Yeah. It's damaging to, to the recipients. It's damaging to the employees. It's damaging to the economy because it doesn't help anybody. And it just creates bigger problems. And, and for some reason, these, these conservative-minded individuals cannot listen to pure science, pure mathematics, and pure facts. Because it's all been proven that a universal basic income increases the economic output of the nation because everybody is putting into the economy. And, and your taxes are increased by so little, it's negligible to, to anybody who's earning a decent living. So, yeah. you know, I just... Like, that's not going to happen under Ford, that's for sure, no. because he had a billion-dollar transfer payment from the federal government for Earmark for the most vulnerable. And it was all, you know, no one's going to be left behind. And people that were using social safety nets got two $100 payments if they were lucky. Very few got it. And he sat on that money that couldn't be spent elsewhere with earmarked for that. So he just chose not to spend it. And he could have helped. And he made a conscious decision. It didn't get rerouted somewhere else. It just literally is sitting wherever or got, I don't know if it goes back to the federal government or how it works, but you can't reinvest it somewhere else for whatever he decided. He just chose not to spend money that was earmarked for this. And so that doesn't give me a lot of hope right now. Like there's going to be a lot of, of work to do over the next four years. And we're going to need a lot of allies to show up because like Karima was saying, like, you know, it's hard enough to get people to appointments and do things, but then how do you get, you know, we can't, you know, the disability community is the least likely to be able to turn up and have the stamina to do big rallies or, you know, do the in the ground work if it can't be from their homes. So if, if people don't start humanizing us and start talking about real issues, you know, we're, we're really, really going to be so sunk. And with MAID coming, it's devastating. And UBI is going to come. Like, it's, it's yeah. inevitable. You know, it's a kind of a global topic and for good reason and, you know, a lot more reasons than just this, you know, part of the social safety net. But it's not here today. And real lives are on the line right now. And like Karima, you were saying people would die under this, you know, because, you know, when they fall through these cracks and this company has hundreds and hundreds of deaths, lawsuits all across the UK, um, people unaliving themselves. So it's already happening with that company. So he chose them. He said, you know, they're, they're the company I want to do this so they can spin it however pretty they want to spin it. But people might fall for it because they don't dig in, but it, it obviously can't be different here they invested all this money it's on their website the company is it it promotes itself to look for new investments like new investors 
that they basically break down social safety nets globally. And they're already across Canada, so... It's all profit motivated. And don't get me wrong. I, I don't have an issue with anybody making a profit or turning a profit, but they shouldn't be turning a profit on somebody else's misery. Mm-hmm. Like healthcare, you know, these things should not be profit making. Healthcare should be a loss leader. Yep. Right. It's not supposed to, it's not supposed to turn a profit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the life labs thing, like the lab work, it's all piling up, you know, on the most vulnerable people. And that includes much more people than just on ODSP. You know, everybody's living paycheck to paycheck in this, like the vast majority mm-hmm. of people. What are the statistics like? You could last, you know, two paychecks or something before you could face homelessness for yes. employed, hardworking people. So, you know, hard, you know, those people are least likely to have work benefits and most likely needing to pay out of pocket for these new labs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, so, yeah, it, I, I don't understand any of it. I couldn't even watch the news today, like. I, I just always get the outcome is, I guess, and then see what, what we're going to be able to do about it. But mm-hmm. Our next guest has arrived, um, James DeFiore from uh, Blackbolt, if you'd like to join us. Hey there. Hey, brother. Hey, guys. How you hey, doing? Good. How are you? How are you? Well, welcome. We're doing very well. Great, great. By the way, I started to watch, I watched a bit of part one the other day of your doc. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to watch the rest of it. I, I didn't have the time to finish it in that one sitting, but holy crap, dude, that's amazing. Oh, oh, thank you. Kidding. Thanks. It was very stressful. Yeah. I lost about 10 years of my life and it was almost worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Karima, I know you have to go soon, um, but uh, do you have any, uh, you know, after everything you hear, some some stuff you could leave us with? Uh, it's heavy. It's very heavy stuff. Um, and, you know, whatever the outcome is, like we're still going to be here tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a matter of regrouping and staying defiant. And even if it doesn't end up being a Ford government, um, there's still going to be a lot of work to do to hold leaders to account because nobody's really impressed me, um, you know, mm-hmm. with their platforms or, ability to capitalize on the most blundering incompetent politician you could ever imagine so you know it doesn't instill a great deal of confidence but um still here still kicking and uh i think that uh, maybe this will be an opportunity to radicalize some of us well you know you say that and and the most bumbling fumbling idiot ever you got Tom Brady throwing you the pass and it's hitting you right in the numbers and your name is Stephen Del Duca and you dropped the ball or you're Horvath and you, you fumbled the ball. It's like, what, what, like, and I don't, I'm not trying to, to, to make them look bad. They did a pretty good job of that doing them themselves. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> right. It's terrible. I mean, it's almost malpractice. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. Karima, thank you so much for joining. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Bye. Karima. Bye. Bye. So James, I have I do have one quick question. I've been this has been on my mind for a little while. Is that a Neumann or is it a Rode? Your mic. What? Oh, your mic. Is, is it a Neumann or a Rode? It's a Samson. Okay, I know the model. Yeah, no, great mic, good mic. Which is ironic because I'm bald. I have lots Isn't of. Mics. Anyone have any good ancient Greece jokes? Samson and Delilah. No, or was, is that ancient Greece or the Bible? I have no idea. I really don't. I think that's. 
biblical. That's, that's biblical, biblical, I believe. Biblical. Okay. Uh, James, you, uh, you were here in the conversation uh, while you were waiting. Um, what do you, your thoughts about this thing with ODSP? It seems like rather freaking frightening to me. Anyway. It's Orwellian. Orwellian it is. It's Orwellian. Um, it's I think it's cor the corporatization of a social service. Um, I think obviously it's the wrong move. That whole move to centralize, digitize, and private. Uh, is is meant for one thing only. Uh, it's to reward a corporation to lessen the cost of uh, our outflows of ODSP and OWS. I think it's OWS. Um, and it's intended to reward them for taking people off the rolls. This mm -hmm. is not dissimilar from welfare reform that I think, was it Mike Harris? Mike Harris's yes. government? Yeah. Um, yep. Where he, they actually decreased at the time it was like i think people were getting like 615 a month and they they put it down to like 525 and this was in like in the 90s yeah. and it oh, had it's a disaster 750 now it's 750 now yeah like with when you take inflation like it what should be like right anything below the 2000. poverty line anything below the poverty line seems uh, ridiculous um I, I was listening to you guys talk about you know a minority government situation uh I actually think the minority government situation would save uh, the province from that because mm -hmm. I, I think I don't think the liberals want to die on that hill. I don't think I'm, I'm certain the NDP doesn't want to die on that hill. Um, there isn't anything that I think exists in the conservative progressive conservative quill that they could offer that they would trade for that kind of approach. Um, it, it would go against and I mean, it's politics, so this is completely plausible and happening but it, it goes totally against the stated principles of both those parties um he has 76 seats now he meaning the pc party you know it's 63 for majority most people think he's gonna get it i'm you know i don't like predicting because it seems like whenever i predict it just goes wrong that's why i don't gamble <laughs> i mean I, I would i would go to like a harlem globetrotters game and it'd be like well i guess i'll bet on the globetrotters and the fucking generals will win every time <laughs> i guarantee it you know the um, one of two they win in in, in in a decade or whatever that's right um but i think that um this i that you know and and the and karima nailed it too the digital approach to it is to remove humans from the front line so that an algorithm or a um, a multiple choice questionnaire or whatever it's going to, however it's going to manifest is going to determine mm -hmm. the, uh, the achievability in a, in, in, in a lifestyle that can allow people to survive. And that is like going to McDonald's. Like you remember going to McDonald's for the first time and ordering off that touch screen. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't because I don't fucking use it because no. I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, I'd yeah, rather horrible. I'd rather support the person that's making minimum wage by utilizing the human being. And so, obviously, this is not like that in the importance of it, but it is like that in the sense that um, it is it is a solution, um, kind of looking for a problem and looking in the wrong place. Um, half a million people on the rolls. I I don't know what the percentage is, but. If you if you look at something like Florida, when I think it was Governor Scott a bunch of years ago tried to uh, uh, apply drug testing to all of their welfare recipients, that thinking that the rolls were going to drop like twenty yeah. percent, and it turns out that 
um, proportionally, there's less addiction problems with people on welfare in Florida than there is people not on welfare. That was in that was uh, Wisconsin, not Florida. Turns out people like. To oh, eat. I'm sorry. I think Florida did it too, but but even yes. whatever state it was, uh, the one that I'm thinking of, they realized that it was it, yeah, it was like less than two percent or something. Point, like it was that. it was point two. It's the same for point welfare two. fraud as yeah. well. So like yeah. when people think that people aren't really truly disabled enough not to be able to do like full time meaningful employment or whatever. It's mm. some people think it's two percent, but I do believe it's about zero point two percent. I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. Melissa. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So yeah. I mean, and and when you take a look at something like that, I mean, it's a different country, but you probably expect it to be worse, especially if it was Florida. <laughs> that I'm thinking of not, yeah. not exactly not exactly known for the sanest behavior of all time. Um, if if anyone in the comments <laughs> hasn't done this before, just Google Florida man, and you'll just be going down a rabbit hole. Don't forever. don't don't do it unless <laughs> unless yeah, do it when you need a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> You've got time to kill. Time to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that if if this election goes really really bad. I might just go do some Florida man digging. I have I have some news that might make people feel a little bit better about the anticipation Ooh. to this election result. Um, the the internal polling um a, a few days ago the inter I, I i have a source who's a pollster and and another source who works directly for the ndp and the, the internal polling was leaked from the ndp camp and the conservative yes. camp but yes. not the liberal camp yes and and there's a reason why and that's because the the it appears okay um that the liberal support is um is is patchy and uh, the the NDP support not so much. Um, if that holds, then uh, the NDP will will win a surprisingly more amount of seats than the Liberals would if they finished second, because yeah. the ideology between um, liberal and conservative is actually a lot closer than people think than oh, the yes. NDP liberal. Mm -hmm. So there, I mean, take from that what you will. I was saying to. Uh, to Ryan and Ashley Lindley that I had on my show, uh, I don't know, a week ago or something, that uh, try closing your eyes and imagining an election with no polls. Mm -hmm. And I think of how that. amazing that would be because, sure. you know, polls don't, polls often don't um, measure the, the pulse of the people. They often move it. You're enamored yes. with looking at those numbers really? and it influences how they cast their ballot. And, you know, I, or to I don't not know how bother to... to cast their ballot. <laughs> Correct. And the funny thing and the irony of that is that most people that don't cast their ballots would vote for liberal NDP or green. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> um, outside the disability issue, Melissa, what have mm. been your impressions of this election? Oh, God. I don't even know. I'm. I, my impression of this election, I feel like I think that voters are burnt out. I think that there's a lot of apathy. There's either like rage and huge passions on either side they're voting. But I think that, I'll, you know, it's been a hectic four years for a lot of reasons. COVID, hectic American news, you know, politics has been so dark. Everything is so divisive between people. And I think, I'm, you know, I think people have checked out this time. And I think that that probably helped people that we wish it wouldn't have politically that it's just a personal opinion but that's kind I mean, of been no, my I, opinion i i completely agree completely agree yep, yep. just want to rhiannon uh now rhiannon please if i 
mispronounce your name. Is it Hinnerman or Heinerman? I'm not sure how to pronounce it, and I apologize. But this 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 uh, chat that you just put up that's on screen now, it's like, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Nailed entirely, it. Nailed the entirely it. disability system and social assistance system treats people unfairly. They do not give you enough money to live, but don't allow you to work to supplement or make life more enjoyable. And then they claw yep. back, right? Yep. Yeah, you can make, yep. I think it's $200 and then 50% of the rest. You can't live with a partner or even a roommate without clawbacks. <laughs> can't get married. Um, you know, like... They don't yeah. give you enough money to live alone. So if you try to fix that by living with a roommate, they claw some. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You've got to um, prove you're not in an intimate partner relationship with that roommate so that you're truly a roommate, which is completely degrading. I went through it, you know, quite a few years back when I had an actual roommate and it was a gay male. And, well, you know, you this person who was not on the system was just my roommate at the time it was a brief roommate ship, but they, uh, they had to come in in order for me to keep my benefits as a profoundly disabled woman. I had to bring somebody with not, no involvement as my roommate to come in and did this really, really invasive, disgusting, humiliating, you know, interview that I had to sit through and they had to do it. I know because a bunch of years back, company I was working for, I, I used to work 60 to 80 hours a week for this company. So making a ton of overtime money. And then, Two years later, uh, everybody's hours were cut. So I went from 60 to 80 hours down to 40 hours, eventually 20 hours, and then no hours. So after four weeks, when all your money runs out, uh, what the hell am I going to do? So I said, just lay me off so I can get EI. Well, at the time, EI goes, well, it's going to be six weeks till you get a check. And I'm like, uh, I need to eat and I need to pay my rent. So I went to social services, to, to, to Ontario Works, I think is what they call it. I have top secret clearance they ask less invasive questions. I'm not joking when I say that. And here's the disturbing part. They ask me these, this incredible beret of, of completely demeaning questions. And then here's $750. I said, keep your money. Seven hundred and fifty bucks after they like yeah. literally. To, it's to not even it, today. It's seven twenty for Ontario yeah. works. Yeah. It's yeah. It's degrading. So it's been cut back again. It was seven fifty. That was eleven years ago. Today it's seven twenty. What the? Heck, how do you survive on that? You can't. Mm-hmm. You know the, what? What say Hugh Siegel, the, the the this great Canadian senator, a progressive conservative who is really the guy driving the UBI, Universal Basic Income. Yeah, I don't think he's a senator anymore. No, he's he's, yeah. he's retired, but yeah. he was. But I still I yes. still call him. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes. Um, he wrote a book called Bootstraps Need Boots. Because quite frankly, you can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps if you got no boots on your feet. Right. And he's really been pushing for the last number of years a universal basic basic income. And it's desperately needed. And as you said earlier, Melissa, it, it has to happen. Right? Yes. You talk about uh, the, the touch screen at McDonald's. That's called create your taste. Don't ask me why I know that, but I do. <laughs> no, I don't use it. I don't use it. But I work for a company that installed them. Anyway, they're also doing this. Uh, at Canada Border Services as well. Mm-hmm. So when you fly back into the country from another part oh, of the world, yeah. you don't see a human being. You go to a kiosk, you scan your passport. Where'd you go? What have you done? Have a nice day. Bye. Yeah. So they, they have like 20 of these machines that cost about 80 to 100 grand a pop. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The average guy on the front line 
that would guy or gal would or, or they or them would ask you a barrage of questions and, and be able to judge by your emotional state whether you should be go to go to secondary or not. Well, guess what? They're replacing those people who would be getting eighty-seven to ninety thousand dollars a year salary with one machine that will run for the next twenty years for eighty to a hundred thousand dollars. And that machine will run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, will never go on strike, will never take a sick day, will never, never, never. They're replacing frontline people at the border. And then how do you go to secondary? Machine just randomly chooses your number. You know how stupid that is? But this is what's happening with automation. So if we don't institute a universal basic income and do it soon, we're going to find ourselves in a heap of trouble. Yeah. And this, the, you know, the specialization, robotics, all that stuff is, is, you know, has been a real thing since NAFTA, right? Since, since yeah, NAFTA right. was adopted. Um, and the, I just want to point out about the, um, the lack of, um, like the, 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 the weirdly nonlinear in relation to inflation, um, rise and stagnation of, of ODSP and Ontario works. Imagine if they allowed, um, the supply and demand argument that they do with real estate to, to apply to ODSP. Um, because mm. the, the, the stagnation in those rates and the bubble in the real estate market results in homelessness. Mm -hmm. it you, does. Know, the, the, you can't even argue against it. And, and you know, obviously mortgages are held by banks, which is probably the main reason why real estate go, goes up at what, what is it like three times the rate of inflation in Toronto? Toronto and Vancouver, something it's like that. Like, it, it's 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 realist. Um, <clears throat> so you know, stagnating one rate, um, inflating the other, uh, resulting in homelessness. They might be just creating more recipients for the welfare welfare and mm -hmm. and, and eventually uh, ODSP role than than trying to decline it. This might be a preemptive move because they know <laughs> that eventually they're going to put people out yeah. on the street. You know? It's like uh, there's every party had like a platform for the next two years. They put out what they would do, right? And I'm going to try to hold hope that eventually some of those things will happen. But I, you know, said on the podcast that every party, every one of the parties had leadership in my lifetime and could have made changes. And there has been nothing but further harm since my care was cut in 25 years. So, but if they, this American company and the big, huge investments, that are going they're leaving the country first of all that that should not be happening but the amount of money it's going to cost to pay this company like paul you had said something about it was a twenty thousand square foot twenty square foot here well, in yeah it's a call office center. in ottawa to to step you know just as the call center for this, this group the 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 cost to bring in this company is so far less than if they got us above the poverty line stopped clawing us back if we could get meaningful employment until it was a significant amount of money that it brought you a decent quality of life. Mm -hmm. And if they invested and said for Ontario Works recipients that are able-bodied and disabled people who with the right supports could achieve meaningful employment and stability for themselves, if they allowed us to have common law partners or roommates or live with their parents and didn't, you know, nickel and dime us and fight us on everything. It would it would cost so far less. And ultimately that means, you know, but, it's basic income. But like until basic income becomes universal, it's costing them more money to do this than if they just started it with the current existing Ontario Works, ODSP, even like CPP disability. 
they're less than ODSP. It's like 900 and something dollars a month as a disabled person through CPP. What was it that somebody had said uh, dur- during the pandemic when they instituted CERB and they did that very quickly. Like it was mm-hmm. done in a hurry and they said, let's just get the money to everybody. Some people will get it who don't deserve it. We'll get it from them later. Right now we need to get money into people's hands so that they can survive because they can't work. Mm-hmm. Somebody pointed out though to me, they said, that's, that's what a liberal government is doing. I wonder what Andrew Scheer would have done. Nothing like that, because what the conservative government tends to do is goes, well, if we give money to everybody, there's going to be a lot of people that don't deserve it. Maybe like 5% don't deserve it. and We don't want to give it to them. Whereas the liberal government in place at the time, and I'm not saying all governments from the liberal party, but the one at the time just said, look, maybe 5% don't need it, but 95% do. So let's feed the 95% and we'll get it back from the 5% later. Now, those numbers are completely arbitrary, but it's a valid point. The conservative government is afraid somebody might cheat us, and the liberal government was going, we know somebody's going to cheat us. So why punish everybody else? I personally think, they know the statistics, that it's the fraudulent rate or, you know, is less than, than, you know, 0.2% here in Canada or whatever. It's my opinion. It's just my opinion. I just think it's the mindset, right? Because it's a whole culture of, you know, work corporations for profit and your value you know it's 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 a value about society in general that i i sense in that sort of mindset of that party that you you know you're only valuable if you are earning money for other companies or you get you know that's where the value in your humanity is and anybody that doesn't bring that value to the table is stigmatized demonized and they, they they will just keep stomping on you and I don't know if they think that's going to motivate us to suddenly be able to, you know, climb the corporate ladder and become successes. But, you know, being profoundly disabled, it's it's not going to go away or change. But, you know, I just noticed a comment coming up and it's it's a, you know, a repeat comment that I see all the time that, you know, anybody can become disabled tomorrow. You can be at the height of your life and you can think I'm secure, you know. I've got a mortgage, but I've got a little bit of debt, but I've got good income and some savings or whatever. You wait until you get hit by a car or you have a stroke mm-hmm. or, you know, anything, even if you're working, but it's your partner, like you're going to go through it all. Well, and, and anybody can end up right where we are, like vote and people need to start caring about picture if it happens to you, because it's the one mm-hmm. thing that none of us get to control. None of us choose. And it's probably the only thing out there in the world that literally could happen to any of us. It's an equalizer. Well, you know. somebody had said something earlier in the chat about what about long COVID? People who have long COVID are not going to be able to do their job anymore because they have to sleep 12 hours a day or longer. They're not even going to be able to prove their disability because there's no PCR test. There's no test. That's scary. So, yeah, that's this, been a big concern for me is how do you even prove that? Yeah. Um, I got there. I got to the conversation a little bit late, but I, I don't know if you mentioned this already, but um, I think it was like 2014, um, the social assistance management system um, it was a digital rollout system for uh, Ontario Works that they that they rolled out. And it resulted in thousands upon thousands of errors that cost millions and millions of dollars. Um, it was not something that was a success during rollout. So they've already kind of tried this kick at the can. Failed. And I th- and I also think it's worth pointing out that when it comes to certain things like child tax credits, for example, 
The conservatives are socialists because they want the millionaire families yes. that vote conservative to get that money, yeah. right? And it's just like, yeah. are you getting that money again? Like, yeah, because they're because they're, they're the producers, right? And that's where the value yeah. is. Which and I, think that's, I think that's why they're also commies. But <laughs> you know, they're communists as well, right? So, so, like you know that that everything for everybody thing. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, it's going to be an interesting. Um, conclusion to this election because i think uh this is one of those times when harper won the majority i think it was uh 2011 mm-hmm. everything changed his, his his policy of like conservatism notwithstanding it was an incrementalism approach to to what he did and then he got the majority government and everything overnight just went totally mm-hmm. like hardcore conservative mm-hmm. i know that he has a majority um right now uh, in, in Ontario, but everything has an asterisk during COVID. Um, he did a lot yes. of bad things. I'm not saying he didn't, but but it wasn't as far as he could go. Now imagine that. You're right. Yes, you're right. He was held up by COVID because you know he would have went further. And he's going so far now. Like I mean, I don't know how many people have ever driven on the 407 from like fucking Oakville to Orono, but it's like seventy dollars because Mike Harris sold our fucking road to a Chinese company or whoever yeah. it is that spent it. it Spanish company and it's like we don't learn yeah. like, there's no learning and the reason why is because they're learned in the arts of corruption and in the arts of um, briefcases opening in parking garages <laughs> and shit like that you know yeah so yeah. Uh, you know I, that the only I mean I don't think we should be afraid of anyone when it comes to politics but I think that um, first of all I, I like to joke about it um, because it's true um, the the lack of leadership within the liberals and the NDPs, um the the old stayed welcome of uh, Andrea Horvath. She should not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's been no. 13, 14 years, whatever it's been. And then the mm-hmm. lack of name recognition with Stephen Del Vista or whatever his name is, because I don't think anyone really knows who that guy is until like a week ago. I didn't know well, who led well, that, the liberals until three months after the liberal convention happened. I was just like, oh yeah, the liberals. Oh, right. Who leads them again? And no, he's just not memorable. He looks like... Um, you know, Doctor Evil and Rocco Rossi had a love child. You know, so not that that matters. But. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I got to completely agree. The I think the only place he's actually known in Ontario where there's any sort of population is Centertown here in Ottawa. And the reason I say that is he was the only provincial leader, provincial party leader, that came to Ottawa during the convoy, the occupation. Andrea didn't show up. Well, Doug was on the phone 24-7, but that's the name of his skidoo, on the phone. That's his skidoo. He was on his skidoo 24-7. Paulie was signing autographs, so. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. And, and bringing him coffee and donuts. Uh, Stephen Del Duca did show up here in my neighborhood. He did walk the neighborhood. He did deliver groceries. He knocked on doors. He said, how can I help? What can I do? So I'm going to give him that respect because he did it. And somebody said, well, that's, he's politicking, but that's his job. That's his job. And he did it. Now, other than that, I would know nothing about the man. Mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. I would know nothing about him. And you're living in Ottawa and you follow politics. Yes. There are, I, I, I don't know how you get the stat, but I would honestly hazard a guess that 30% of people in Ontario cannot name the Liberal leader. Oh, I, I, that's, it might even be higher than that, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that is something that hasn't happened in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, check this out. We got some numbers coming up on the board. Oh, so NDP that's it. NDP won. Woo. 
It's done. It's over. That's it. That's it. You called it. Majority <laughs> government. Woohoo. All the two seats. <laughs> so, oh, oh, yes. oh, I'm looking at another number here. Yeah, it's, it's rising. The numbers are rising. That's we'll see it. them change throughout the evening. Absolutely. Uh, Melissa, uh, before uh, our time, our time is over soon, but before you go, yep. um, what can people do if they want to help? And, um, you know, what message do you want to leave us with? Um, I think that's a big question that I don't know that I can answer right here, right now. Um, I need to stay committed. I think that, um, we need to keep finding each other, people that are in this situation and, uh, unite. And I think there's probably a lot of listeners in here right now because I made an announcement among this demographic that this would be talked about tonight and they're probably pretty worried. So maybe I could just end by telling any of them that, you know, None of us have the answers. I'm not a politician, but I do know that there is strength in numbers and we can keep showing up for each other and we can find the right allies, but we're going to have to use our, our voices. And the one, the one good thing that we have going for us now is, you know, the space I'm growing in personally, mm-hmm. you know, we're disabled and we're at home, but with our phones, we are finding each other so fast and we're finding allies fast. Yes. So I don't have a long-term strategy in my brain, but I do know that there's going to be work to be done, but there are some of us out here willing to help figure some things out and we can all put our heads together and we're going to have to empower each other and make sure that we, we see each other and make sure other people start learning our stories. I'm going to be doing some work, really hard work to try to make sure that the general public starts to really understand what goes on in our lives. And that's basically you know, I don't know what else to say. We're pretty alarmed, but I don't think we need to fall down a rabbit hole of pure terror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we need to hold hope because, you know, we can do it. You know, people have been through hard times before we've been, we know what it is to struggle, but if we have each other, that can make a big difference. And, you know, even just you, you giving a platform for this topic and starting to care, is going to open people's minds that it's not, a bunch of people that are lazy and you know we need to destigmatize this and yeah. that's work i think it's not the politicians we need to change it's the voters we need to reach the like real people on a human level and i i hope that anybody that's you know struggling right now that's watching takes that away from this that that's what we need to do next because mm-hmm. then the, the population won't tolerate it mm-hmm. you know they tolerate it because they don't know our stories and they don't yeah. understand the struggle so let's humanize it and make sure that they know our struggles because then nobody would be able to stomach these, these kind of policies and this kind of 25-year wait where we're still being made promises that never come to action. So, yeah. Well, Melissa, we uh, flashed your, uh, your tweet on uh, about uh, your camp still happening campaign so that uh, people can see that. And uh, the people Oh, thank the- you. Yes, yes, and and we'll have you on on the show to talk about that as well uh, at some point. Uh, I would appreciate that, yeah, because child welfare is is I'm super passionate. I'll be just as busy in that space. Well, we'll have a we'll have a special show about that sometime in the future. We haven't got the we haven't mapped it out yet, but we will soon. Yeah. No, no problems, um, no rush. You'll, you'll be part of that. You'll yes. be part of that for sure. And the viewers and the listeners, uh, you know, they're sending mm-hmm. comments and they're really thanking you for your knowledge. Uh, so I just um, followed you oh, on Twitter well, just now as well. So you have a. 
you know, oh, thank you very much. Fan. I'll follow you back. No I, okay. I, I think I'm already following you, but if not, I'll follow oh. you back. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> you guys have a great night, and um, so I'm going to go comfort us. eat. And thank you. Well, keep making noise, Melissa. And uh, as our good friend yeah. Holly Warner says, that gave this a title to our Mother's Day show, yeah. get out there and fuck, fuck shit, shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm going to get that on a shirt. <laughs> yeah, we should. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> ah, maybe, maybe one of our there'd be, be a merch shirt. Yes. <laughs> yes. True North, you hey, hey you did. I, you just gave me a good idea. I've been at, <laughs> people saying we need merch. I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. All right. Anyways, you guys have a great day. Thank you again. I appreciate it. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye, Melissa. Uh, James. Okay. Yes. Let's throw down, man. Oh, awesome. okay, let's do it. Let's fuck up. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I saw the, I saw the NDP go, I saw the liberals go and yes. Okay. Yes. The liberals had a good platform and they did that work, but they didn't do the work of selling it. They both went at each other more than they went at Doug Ford. Nobody had even actually made the case against Doug Ford. I mean, I'm saying malpractice. Um, I think I'm saying media culpability. I mm, think, okay. yeah, I, w I would, I would probably just tweak it a little bit. We're saying sort of the same things, but coming at yeah. it from a different part of the blueprint. And I think yeah. that, um, I mean, our media has been failing us for uh, at least 10 years, probably, probably longer, yeah. but like, yeah. it, let's, let's just say 10 years you know, where it's become a Brent and, and slapstick almost. Um, yeah. I was just talking on, um, on Dean's show today about how, like we we can talk all day long and I don't mind doing it about conservative corruption and um the the sort of incestuous relationship that they have with religion with, with religious organizations in this country and 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 all that is true um the liberals have a different problem and and their problem is that the only currency that they know how to um do politics with is uh is working hand in hand not with necessarily media companies but with reporters within media companies and what happens is these reporters and i've seen it happen like live in the flesh where a liberal political operative was like you want to see something and i'm like okay and he called a reporter for the toronto star that shall remain nameless and said hey um i got a story for you uh just it's in your inbox let me know when you get it the guy got it he opened it and he's like, yeah, I don't want you to really change any of it. And um, and I want you to release it on Thursday. And I may call you between now and Thursday with changes. And he was like, okay. Um, that is a problem. Mm -hmm. It's beyond a problem. And 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 what's happening now is that it is, mm -hmm. it is being done in this way where it's like a pre-internet strategy of doing that weird incestuous relationship that two-step between politics and, and media mm -hmm. but it doesn't hit anymore and so mm -hmm. they're wasting everyone's time and we're not really talking about the things that we should be talking about and if if this was uh if doug let's just say there was another conservative party in ontario that was competitive and doug ford did all the things that the, that he's been doing what do you think that other conservative party would be saying and doing in the run-up to the election that person would be crucified. Doug Ford would be like every single day being dodging daggers left, right, and center. And we just saw a guest on your show, Karima, who single-handedly landed the biggest punch in the week 
run up to the election better than any liberal punch, better than certainly any any NDP punch. Right. Um, and and that is not just a testament to Karima and. I love everything about that woman. I really do. Oh, she yeah, needs no a chance. cape. She needs a cape, everybody. Someone's please send yes. that woman a cape. <laughs> and um, but it, it also speaks to the um ineptness of the opposition. Yeah. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but, but, what that that was the thing that and that's where I'm coming to the malpractice part, right? That's at the other end of the spectrum. It's just how can if you're the NDP, how can you be the official opposition, have that platform for four years and not I mean, they just looked like they were not ready. They were not prepared. I mean, well, they were they the were the leaders. Snap they, they, the we have, yeah, we have Andrea Horwath fatigue. Yes. yes. Uh, so yeah. She's not a compelling. Sorry, she's just not a compelling leader not. anymore. She may have been at one time, but she's not anymore. And um, Del Duca is unknown he's he's just i don't know i don't know how they managed to do that actually quietly elect you know what they were doing i think what they were doing at the time is that do you remember doug ford was really struggling at the beginning yes Mm -hmm. it was a massive struggle i think the liberals were just like let's just let him hang himself yeah and and not do anything else and he was doing a good job of it yeah but but you but you need to walk and chew gum Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure there we go. Uh, boy, great, wonderful. You know what though? The, it, 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 it's they're probably right, but go fuck yourself. The polls just closed. <laughs> yeah, they, like you know, 15 minutes ago. Really? Yeah. That's I think the seat count is what 35, 13, five or something. I just yeah, saw. It's, it's, I got it over here on uh, 47, on 18, seven. Look at the see the NDP. Um, that. If that holds that separation, and that's like what uh, 65, 72, 73, so it's more than half done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NDP could could be the balance of power. I don't know. It, there's no predi- prediction. Oh, well, hey Ryan, how you doing? I just said hey, prediction. Hi guys. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I just wanted to say um, I, I came in, I, and this is totally just because I'm an asshole. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that blue check mark from Global News yeah. deleted that tweet. But I caught it before he deleted it, so okay. I thought I would throw it out just for some fun, so everybody oh. can see how this works. Yeah, in oh. real time, that's not an official announcement, and yet their uh, their staff are making official announcements uh, without any sort of backing or anything. So you stick could, around, you, folks. You could say yeah. suspect, rather. Yeah, suspect. a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that tweet was probably drafted at nine o'clock morning. And yeah. uh yeah. you know maybe <laughs> and it's Probably funny scheduled. that it came out it came out right at nine fifteen PM, which is normally when most of the returns do come back. Mm-hmm. But with the delays, they don't really know. So I just thought it'd be yeah. funny to show the, the audience that what do you know? Yeah, look at that. Anyway, wow. do you guys. find it interesting, guys? Um <laughs> That, that did you find it interesting, guys? That I'm looking at a uh, CBC thing. Um, the PCs have 47 seats, with, oh sorry, 53 seats with 117,000 votes. The NDP those combined have almost basically a little bit more than half of that. 28 seats combined with 143,000 votes. So they have almost 30,000 more votes combined than the PC, but the PC have you know 20. 
four more seats. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have another announcement, and these ones are official. Um, and these are, if we're going to go with media, Global and CTV are now officially predicting Ontario Progressive Conservatives will form a majority government for Ontario. Yeah. Brave. So, and that's official. Brave of them. Regressive yeah. Conservatives. Regressive Just so, you, so as you know. Well, thanks for letting uh, us know. Thank you. <laughs> Did you just say aggressive conservative party? Because that's awesome. Regressive. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah. Too, they that want to bring us too. back to the 1950s, right? Pre-regressive. Another announcement? Uh, <laughs> <regressive>. <laughs> I thought there was another announcement on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, all right. uh, I don't know how long you guys want to keep me. Um, I'm, I'm good till well, 930, but I can stay or go. It's up to you guys. Oh, stay and hang out. Enjoy your company. You know, Uh, it's nice to have somebody else to chat with. Uh, You look like, by the way, Paul, the James of James never did any hard drugs in his life. So I appreciate (laughs) that mirror to the other side. And I've never done drugs ever. Whiskey, whiskey, beer, wine. That's my. uh, We're probably doppelgangers if I just stayed away from drugs. You know, I think I'm a little older than you, though. Uh, Let's go with that. Um, Uh, I'll be be 54 in July. Oh, I'm I'm 45. So. Yeah, I'm a little older than you, like nine. Yeah, nine but years. I look like Voldemort next to your, you know, uh, Howie Mandel thing or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, but you still got my beard is gray though, so you you still got color, right? I pluck the gray ones. Yeah. Well, ah, mine's mostly, vanity. Mine's mostly gray. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. I have gray hair, but it's on my chest, so that's the only gray. Yeah. Hair. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I've got a lot there too. And the first time that happened, I looked in the mirror and went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had gray hair on my chest before anywhere else on my body. Go figure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And weird. I'm Italian, so all the hair left my head and landed on my shoulders somehow. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> well, yeah, that's wrong for an Italian man. You should be, you know, you should be like Samson. Oh yeah, I am not, as we discovered at the beginning of this book. <laughs> Just down here, if you let it grow yeah, off. That's right. My treasure trail starts at my soul patch. Right? Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we've gone way off topic. That's okay. fine. It's basically the election in an anecdote, anyways, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, now they're saying fifty-six PC, fifty-seven PC seats, with uh, thirty-six seats left to come. But um, I'm looking at some of these numbers. Don Valley East, the, seven of seventy-two polls, like twenty-five to seven NDP to Liberal. Yeah. That is, and this is this is like that poster I told you about. Said this is this is the result. This is why the liberals didn't leak their internal polling, and the PCs and the NDPs did. And um, it was hard to believe for a lot of people, but this is the Del Duca effect because no one knows who the fuck he is. No and, one knows. Yeah, yeah, and and I think don't you guys find? I'm going to ask you guys a question because I can't really figure this out. Uh, if you look at the election results in Canada and the United States. There, <laughs> There are two types of what was funny. Sorry, I left. You're getting what, what some love. You're getting Sexy some love. Voldemort. Sexy oh, Voldemort. Much cuter than Voldemort. Oh, well, well thank you. Please don't <laughs> say my name. Um, but but I can't figure out the kind of politician that is winning COVID elections and the kind that isn't. It is such a weird landscape right now. There's where, no None. Yeah, you know, I remember, and I made a, I made this mistake. I gave Doug Ford a little bit of props at the beginning of COVID because I thought what he was doing was right at the time, which was deferring to health experts. He did that so the first, first wave, the first very first wave. As soon as that. the first wave was over, everybody checked out. They, they started angling for political opportunity. But simultaneously, look at all the decisions that he was making behind the scenes about centralizing health. 
mm-hmm. um, and and um, giving you know no sort sole, sole source contracts to his buddies. So when he what he should have been doing obviously is trying to come up like I would have established a think tank of professionals and sat with them day and night all the time to come up with some sort of creative solutions to help this problem. And he didn't do any of that. He treated um, that time as like not vacation time, but as as a, an opportunity of sorts to enrich his friends and to and to um, take money out of our pockets. Yeah, and and uh, and I was and I I regret giving him props for deferring for, for just that because what I should have been doing is well that's actually the easy fucking answer because Doug Ford isn't a doctor. Right. So yes. he was actually doing what any dummy should be doing. And I yes. stupidly, as another dummy, gave him props for that. When what I should have been doing is what's going on behind the curtain while he's doing all this. Remember, he used I the notwithstanding the clause, you know? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go Sorry. I'm totally. I, I'm guilty of doing the same thing, though. Yeah. I gave him props in the first wave. I go, same oh, here. my God, he's listening to the science and he's supporting the prime minister. And like, yeah. the, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in a time of crisis, right? And he did that in the first two months then after that it was all bets are off it's all about the economy ontario's open for business the economy and i got thrown into that meat grinder of an economy when i was watching people who were working from home getting their first and second shots and i couldn't get my first one and i went on a rant on tiktok about it and i and i uh I, one of my uh, one of the local newscasters here on cbc tv adrian harewood had said you know i was able to get my vaccine because i knew a pharmacist outside of town that had some so he called me and i went and got it and i said well i'm very happy for you but what about me he goes what do you mean i go i i am going to seven to eight client sites a day i'm driving around the city going to different client sites working in different buildings meeting with different people and i can't even register to get a goddamn vaccine wow why because I'm a working class stiff and Doug Ford doesn't give a shit about me and he doesn't give a shit about people who live in Centertown because we traditionally vote liberal or NDP. And yet who in this area, which which riding got all the vaccines in the beginning? Dr. Mary Lee Fullerton, because they said they were a hotspot, which was the biggest fucking lie yeah. that's ever been lied. It was not yeah. a hotspot, not even close. Everybody that lives out there, the vast majority were working from home. How can that be a hotspot? They did that all over the province too. Oh yeah. Uh, They they what was that? It was in like uh, vaccine access points in postal code areas where the um, where the uh, infection rate was super low. So Parkdale got screwed in Toronto, while Forest Hill did not. Yeah, you know. Wait a second. And then they had all these excess tests in Forest Hill. That ended up getting destroyed because they got expired or they expired or something like. Yeah. And let's not talk about the private schools who got all the rats uh, and public schools got nothing. Oh, and, and it was the uh, the uh, liberal candidate we interviewed for. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, oh, um, uh, Matthew Matt Pornival. Um, he's a teacher. And he's running for the Liberal Party in his riding, which is uh, James Bay. Muskegawak, James Bay. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, no, we, we, we got the, uh, the HEPA filters. And oh, I said, you did? He goes, yeah, two months ago. Like, just like in April of before. this year. Yeah. yeah. He got well, there was also and, that company that, they, that Ford gave the contract well, the wrist, to. Uh, yeah, the wristband. Um, we're supposed to warn about detection or something. No, the masks. Oh, that they one. Gave yeah. the, con- the reason why we didn't. People, schools that were getting N95 masks from, like the the teachers union and the government were on the same page.
where it was like because they had this contract one company any masks that went to um schools that weren't from that company they were told not to use them right mm -hmm. even though yeah. people were wearing cloth masks at the time they were they were told they were literally forbidden by their own the teachers union too so it wasn't just the ford government it was the teachers union no, no. too so some fucking idiot at a negotiation table was 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 trading the overall health risk of students and teachers and faculty for something else mm -hmm. that the teachers probably wanted in a contract or something like that but i don't blame the teachers i blame the union uh, obviously oh, yes. for that kind of thing so so that's what politics in covid oh my god i was i was also stupid for another reason because i was like oh, a pandemic is starting this is a great time to be bipartisan and end polarization <laughs> yeah. Fucking, yeah. it just enhanced it it gave it some bath salts and now here we are right like <laughs> <laughs> bath salts is actually i can't believe the uh tigers that eat my face party actually wanted to eat my face and... <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um how did we like uh doug ford was definitely having a bad COVID before COVID hit right i remember like the raptors parade and he got booed oh, how did we get, how did we go from getting booed at the raptors parade which is like 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 Ontario was Disneyland for, yeah. for two weeks. So it was the happiest was the place on party earth. In the, in the like world. This. And he was not invited. He was clearly yeah. not invited. How does he go from not being invited to the biggest party in the province to getting a second majority? COVID. Co COVID is one of those things where I, I'll say it, knowing it's the answer, but I probably won't be able to tell you why it's the answer. But that's that mis mystery of COVID. It's, it, it has benefited Doug Ford because um because it's covid and we don't really know why and, and there's a lot of people look at the liberals at seven Stephen del duca's name recognition we'll put that aside for a second some people i it used to bother me when people would compare and contrast federal ndp liberal or conservatives with provincial ndp conservatives and liberals and now i think people are doing it a lot more I think that progressives are, are growing tired of Justin Trudeau and it's actually reflecting in an NDP provincial win uh, mm. or, or provincial opposition position. And and I think that it's one of those things that we have a, um, you know, we, we have an issue with, with being not being able to separate our animosity for a federal party um, with, with uh, sort of punishing the provincial counterpart. So mm. um, rookie is saying that there's a graphic. Oh, well, let's put yeah. it up. Pull it up, brother. Didn't we already do this? I think we already did do this one. Yes. Yeah, we've seen this one. Yep. Oh, oh there we go. go. Oh, 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 oh. Bring it back. Bring it back. Oh, there we go. Oh. Yep, there we are. Oh, okay. Yes, Von he didn't win his seat. So, yeah, but only, okay, so less than 16% of the polls reporting, 6 out of 38. But, that's a pretty good gauge. Oh, my God. That's a huge <laughs> margin. That's 26%. Yeah. Holy crap. Let's, yeah. There might be some neighborhoods in that that might be leaning more liberal that haven't come in yet, but that, yeah. That, or that, people looked at their card and they're like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Wow. Because that's, that's frighteningly. <laughs> now, do you guys think that they'll, that they'll dump him? They have to. Well, the NDP have yeah. lost how many elections? I mean, she did good in the last election. Yeah. I, I don't want to like trash her forever, yes. but. But she had no business being the leader at that time either because of the previous nine years of complete Great. NDP uselessness. Um, so yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they should. I think they will, but I don't think they should.
You don't think they should get no. rid of Del Duca? I think they should no. just get rid of him immediately. Because right I don't away. think yeah. I, I, I I just don't think that the, he started off the way that a leader is supposed to start off. Like if there wasn't the liberals were not cognizant of maybe they were maybe they were afraid of like promoting a, a political personality during a pandemic. I don't know. I don't know what the I reason was. A large part but of But they it, didn't yes. even try to promote the brand, at least. No. Really. I mean, the liberal brand is pretty darn solid. Well, it wasn't at the time, oh, though. Okay. Wynn's approval rating was like negative 7,000%, remember? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I mean, you can run on the party or run on the team or run on the... With, liberal, with the liberal brand, you can do that. I mean, the other parties, maybe not, but this one you can, and I just don't... They all overthink. They, they <sighs> over-strategize, they overthink, they rely on public relations, they rely on polls, they rely on surveys. What they don't rely on is um, transparency and honesty and, uh, and, a, and, and a savvy media strategy that doesn't use gimmicks. You know, mm. it's, 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 it's disappointing. We're, we're a leaderless country. I've been saying this for years. But I, don't, I can't think of any leader that's cut from the same cloth as like a Jack Layton or um or even a Brian Mulrooney because for all of his corruption at least that there were some things that you could pull away from his uh time as our prime minister that yeah. showed bipartisanship that showed a progressive stance inside the progressive conservative you know yep oh yes yep um, yep absolutely. so and i mean and at least he tried like you know he was transformative away and he tried stuff i mean you know charlottetown failed and meets trail but at least he tried he had a big ambition he tried you know he, it didn't work but like, where's the last time we've had like this big project as a nation that we've tried to work on together? I Have can't we ever. Well, I mean, the last time, like I said, the last time at least somebody tried with Meach and Power Charlottetown to bring people together. The St. Lawrence Seaway? But I can't remember. <laughs> Bucket beer? I <laughs> that was a cute little promo that the, what was it uh, Loblaws yeah that's that there we go Trump yeah yeah um, <laughs> thanks for coming out James really do appreciate you that you're, you're giving us your time this evening and oh uh, no problem I actually have I a am- show on after your show um, <laughs> do you? oh, oh wow. yeah I mean I, so we interviewed David Wallace the proliferative and uh, yes. you guys are off at 10 ish or a, bit, a little bit uh, before maybe, maybe yeah Maybe yeah, thirty. We have one more guest, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Okay, because I'm supposed to start at ten, but whatever. Um, okay. But uh, but it, but whatever you guys do is fine, because I know it's it was literally something that I conjured up like an hour and a half ago. But but uh, <laughs> we have we have David Wallace and we have um, Nathan Jacobson. Ooh. Yeah, well, that's a good show, buddy. Oh, that's so, gonna be a good show. And, I, I had, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So no, no, finish, and I'll ask you a question. No, I was just gonna say if anyone doesn't know who uh, those two people are. Um, Go to my Twitter. I I have a uh, I have a promo there. But there's uh, so David Wallace is a is in a, is the self-professed political fixer who um, was the source of that story in Press Progress about the Russian ties to uh, yeah, the Progressive yeah. Conservatives. Yep, back channeling. And Nathan Jacobson is like like he's a former Harper. I don't even know what you would call him, initial envoy or whatever. But he was like uh, a sh- pretty shadowy billionaire political operative. Um, but he's also like had an interesting bio where, you know, Stephen Harper sent him to Syria to negotiate peace over there. Um, he's like friends with Benjamin Netanyahu, but he's also a disgruntled ex uh, conservative like stalwart in, in, in that um, him and me had a falling out because of, of the religious 
organization that Kenny was tied to. So it's going to be an interesting show. I hope you guys um, hope you guys have time to tune in. Um, oh, absolutely. But let me know now what time you want to go till, so I can tell my guests what time I'm going to have them on. Like you can, you know, you can go, you know, wh whatever you were going to go to, just just do whatever you want to do, and then I'll let them know. Um, I, you know, it's all good. Well, let, let's take another uh, another ten more. Actually, because yeah. uh, I I'll, I'll tell them that we can start at ten fifteen. Does that work? I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, Absolutely. perfect. Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so we're negotiating um, this on air, which is hilarious. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, it seems pretty clear that we're going to get him again. Uh, what do we? I, I we always say that constant vigilance is the price we pay, right, for freedom and democracy. So, what should we be keeping our, our eyes out for? What do you know about this guy that? Uh, should be watching out for, for the next four years i think what should we should be doing the next four years is finding leaders i think that's yeah. what the i think we should be demanding from our parties to to to, to find actual leaders to find a the NDP need to find themselves something like a jack layden i think they, they'll make a mistake if they go for an avi lewis i think they you know like we need to start stop pretending that like fashion and celebrity and all this kind of stuff means anything except yeah. for Stephen. Del Count Duco or whatever the fuck his name is that lost his seat today. <laughs> oh, oh, we lost James. We lost James. Oh, oh, oh there, there we go. Oh, okay. there's Ryan. Ryan. Hey, okay. No, hey. Okay, what, you got any news for us? No, I don't. I have news that I have the no news good news, over, right? and that is Doug Ford has a majority <laughs> government now. But yeah, like um, City News saying seventy four PC seats, CBC is saying seventy four PC seats. I'm like, oh, this is just so goddamn. Yeah, they, they they crossed. It was actually like in record time they crossed that line too. Yes. So, um, that's just indicative, I think. And I, I'll leave this to you guys. You guys are way more astute in this than I am. But that seems to me, we're this is broken. Like this is yes. really broken. Like what what's happening in this province and and i don't i know we we reside in some echo chambers here we do um a lot of it seems that way we try like mm. i'm no libtard i'm no, no i get dipper. called all the time uh, so do i we, uh, believe me i run the social media page for the dean Liddell show <laughs> so yeah <laughs> you should see the names i get called and then they then then they call dean you know homophobic and and all the other words yeah, but yeah the words yeah. that yeah you understand the, the the how that works but it's um it's really funny we're we're as nonpartisan as it comes we're actually like i shouldn't say that we're more apolitical than nonpartisan we're we're very mm -hmm. we think everybody's an idiot and we report <laughs> the fact that everybody in politics is pretty much an idiot but you're picking the idiot that doesn't want to hurt people or you're picking the idiot that does want to hurt people. And Ontario literally in record time, just pick the idiot that wants to hurt people. Well, so. and, and it's look, it, it's no secret to anybody. Uh, and it's no stretch of anyone's imagination to say that Doug Ford is a blithering idiot. I'm not going to mince words. And I was going to try, like, I, I swear I came and, in tonight i came in with a okay let's just report it let's report mm -hmm, it the way it mm -hmm. is this is going to be sort of editorial that's fine i don't uh i don't understand how we've allowed this to happen and i know but how it happened 
I just don't understand how we've, uh, as Canadians, how we've allowed this to go on for as long as it has. Mm -hmm. And now we're reaping the benefits of allowing that, that to happen. And I know you guys agree. You, you're, you're, you're of the same, um, mindset when it comes to this, we fucked this up. Like as as a province, we fucked this up as a country. We're fucking this up and nobody's really kind of paying attention to what we're doing. And I think it's going to take a real, like, I hope it doesn't take us crashing the car into the side of the hill to figure it out. But I think that's where we're heading. It is. I think that's what's going to happen. I think people, you know, I know that people have had a crappy last few years, right? I mean, I've been, COVID started and I thought I was built for this, right? I mean, I'm a bit of an introvert. A lot of people wouldn't believe it. I love staying home. Me too, right? I've been working from home like way before it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Best party get out of excuse ever. It's been fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's brilliant. And, you know, and and I had two times during COVID where, you know, at one point was like, you know what, this is a little too much. The first time was uh, during the first wave around the time of April when we were allowed to go to parks, but we had to keep it moving. Yeah, we weren't allowed to stop. You wanted to stop on a bench, you know, watch ducks, whatnot. And nothing was open yet. And I remember one day I was just like, we're just walking. If you want to go for a walk, and that's literally where you can stop in and like pick up a like pick up a hot chocolate or, or stop for a piece of cake and chat for a little bit. You're literally just walking. Yeah. And I just like like for about like two minutes. It was just like ah! I just lost my mind. I, know that was <laughs> I had a lot of points during that time. Yeah. I stood on my buddy's porch or a pond. Yeah, Paul, we know how much you yelled during um, certain yeah. points of the pandemic. We know. And then in it's February, actually viral. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then in February this year, I started to get a little uh, like not to the point where I would like start go protesting and I don't want to wear masks and whatnot. And how many shots right. do you want? It's like as so long as they have shots, I'm going to take them. I got two arms juicy, right? I mean, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. But you know, but like February came along and said, okay, you know what? I'm <laughs> pretty much tired of it. I, I, I'm tired of it. Right. I'm, I mean, it's. I if you're, agree. If you're not tired well, of it. You're not human. pandemic fatigue. It was a right? real yeah. thing, oh, even yeah. for even for pro, you know, everybody that that was trying to do the right thing. We got tired. You're right. Oh, yeah. So nobody wants to talk about it in the election. Nobody wants to have an accountability during the election. And everybody just it just seems like we just had the federal one. Right. And that was the big one. It just seems that everybody said, you know what? I, you know, just do what you want just fuck yeah, off everybody just, fuck off leave me alone i just need to fucking i need to regroup and reset you're we've right we've got like one summer now right now yeah. like, where things like seem somewhat okay like this and we're just gonna freaking have it so you know yeah. what? and listen I'm the, the health, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pinnacle of health okay i'm the pinnacle of health and i i was i was totally pro vaccine and i said listen uh, uh guys mask up vax up Fuck you if you don't want to get a vax. You lose your job. I don't care. H train lost his job. You know, like that kind of shit. I was totally down with that. And now I heard today that the Toronto police are pulling their vax um, requirement status for the police department. Mm-hmm. As of this morning, uh, they, they made a um, announcement. But the rest of the city of Toronto has not. And I, I, I thought to myself, how would you have reacted to that news six months ago? And Mm -hmm. I said, no, I would have been pissed that Toronto police are backing down. This is fucking stupid. This morning, I swear to God, I was driving in. I was, and I was tired 
physically tired because it was like six o'clock in the morning. I'm driving. I'm like, ah, fuck. You know what? See, just fucking, just pull the plug. Just fucking let them go back to work. Just do what, do what. I don't care anymore. And yep. it wasn't me. That I know that's not me. That's literally the exhaustion and the fatigue that's talking. And that's and that's not is. my that's not my critical brain. That's not my no, critical no. thought brain. And it's human to have that moment. It's just and they're taking and and the, the the Ontario PC party took advantage of that. And you they know did. what? It fucking worked. It In fucking space. worked. Like so they, they, here we they, are. They destroyed. Yep. So we've got uh, one more of our guests. Uh, I guess our final guest this evening, uh, Sam. Oh, G. Sam. Oh, I know yes. Sam. Hey! I figured we might need some laughs. I love Sam. Sam's like one of my favorite Twitter people ever. Well, she's one of the funniest people on Twitter ever, number one. And number two, and every every single sort of uh, Twitter space I've ever been in with Sam and the ones that she's hosted... She's been such a gracious host, and 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 some of the people that were on there were saying stuff, and I'm just sitting there going, "What did you?" Just calmly, calmly negotiate with them and say, "Okay, thank you. You've made your point. I don't agree with you, but next call, you know." And Sam, I gotta, I gotta, my hats off to you for that because I would not have been able to 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 contain my rage. But I think maybe it's because I'd had convoy fatigue at that point, maybe. I, I think um, the benefit of a space is you can't see my facial reactions. <laughs> Sam, can I can I tell a quick aside? Sam and I once did a space with a very controversial person um, together, and if it wasn't for her, I probably would have said some horrible words, and I probably would have went off a little harder than I did. And it, I swear to God, it was because Sam wasn't there. I'm like, you know what, Sam? Sam's good people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and keep this together to make our side look a little better. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, She's yeah. a great influence on Twitter. I'll let you guys uh, talk with Sam though. Sam, I love you. We'll see you soon on Twitter. I'm gonna jump out. I have to get ready for this next one uh, with uh, James. James. But um, it's That's great to see you guys. That's gonna be a banger of a show. Thanks for coming. And uh, before I leave, I just want to show you that. Did you guys see this before we go? Look at this. So Doug Ford tweeted this out on his way to the poll with an American star and oh, our um, oh, yeah, geez. yeah, he kind of forgot to his comms team are right on fire tonight. So well, that's like when he wished his brother a happy birthday and they used like <laughs> from last year. Yeah. And forgot he got to the age wrong. Just... Well, it was like when he well he did the same thing on PSW Day. He uh, just recycled last year's PSW Day for yeah. this year. It was the same video and everything. It was like forty pounds lighter last year without all the cheesecake. So I'm gonna go, but I love you guys, <laughs> Sam. Take care, and we'll see you guys soon. All right, thanks, brother. Yeah, I just wasn't understanding why the key word of this election wasn't incompetence. Like, come on, man, you can't get stickers to stick. You can't get a license plate. Why can't remember his brother's birth year? Like, it was just right there. Man's incompetent. That's all they needed to say. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Help. I was hoping to join with better, better, uh, a better announcement or better something. Um, you know, I, I think I, I can't say that I'm surprised. Obviously, I'm disappointed. Um, mm. I was I was going into tonight not, you know, holding out a lot of hope that it would be a different result, but I still had a bit. Um, so, yeah, we'll try to lighten the mood a little bit as much as possible but it's uh, i think it's a tough night for a lot of people in ontario i think that there are people who are i've just been sort of seeing some of the commentary coming through the feed on twitter and you know people are are worried people are are feeling scared they're feeling frustrated with our uh, 
our fellow citizens who who obviously um, contributed to this result. Yes, yes. Overall, um, I mean, you watched this election too. I mean, how much screaming at the TV were you doing? It's like, I just... <laughs> You want to know some of the, the most of the screaming that I was doing, especially, um, you know, even as recently as just a few weeks ago is, is where, where the heck is Del Duca? Where, where, where is, you know, the people that we need out there front and center talking about first and foremost, why do we need, you know, having, why do we need Doug Ford out? Um, let's focus on that. Let's really focus on the message here. What, you know, what does it mean for Ontario to have four more years of the Ford government? Um, and, and why is that detrimental? And we need to make that message loud and clear. And, and you just you weren't hearing enough of it. Um, you just weren't seeing the presence there. And, and that's not going to help um, get people to the polls, get people sort of thinking about what the impact of their decision is. Um, so there was a lot of the screaming at the absence of the presence on, on TV or on social media or, mm. or media itself. Well, I think we're entering into the Hunger Games uh, of, uh, space in Ontario now. Yeah. Welcome to Pan Am. Pan Am, is that what it was? What's this? Two conservative offshoots set up by PCs who were booted by Ford from caucus. New Blue and the Ontario Party are collectively winning 4.7%. The Greens have retained Guelph and are close in Perry Sound, Muskoka. Mm, do we have a board for Perry Sound, Muskoka? Yeah, there we go. Look at this. That, oh, oh, that is tight. That is very tight. 49 of 96 polls reporting, so there's still a Difference lot of, of room. 500 votes right now. Oh, that would be nice. I mean, Mike Schreiner deserves this. And uh, this guy, Mac Rick, Matt Richter, it's the fifth time that he's running. And the incumbent isn't running again. So they're all new candidates. Um, you know, you got to respect a guy who stays in the game. Oh, yeah. What What's Tyler's uh, riding? Nepean. Ottawa West Nepean, preliminary result. Yeah, just Nepean. Just Nepean? Yes. So this is saying uh, preliminary, two, 21 of 51 polls in. And that's close, too. It's pretty close. Uh, 39% for Lisa McLeod, which is astonishing because what? Yes. Uh, and 33.8% for Tyler. I just I just can't get over that figure for Lisa McLeod. I mean, she's a, an absolutely deplorable human being. I don't get it. You know what? I, I think one of the things that we're seeing, I mean, I was trying to think about this. How did this happen? How did we get here? Right. Like as you're coming into this conversation, as I'm coming into the conversation and I've been listening to you guys um, for a lot of your stream and it's like, how, how do we, how do we end up here? I think they're <laughs> the, the, I borrowed this from someone else, but the one that I've been repeating quite a bit over the last couple months is that, you know, some people would vote for a recycling bin because it's blue. Like it's a legacy. <laughs> It's a legacy for them. Their families have always voted blue. They're going to vote blue irrespective of who the candidate is, right? It's just, it's who they vote for. Um, and, and they're not really thinking about the platform. They're not thinking about the implications of the platform. Um, it, it's really just, this is who I vote for. And, and this is the party that I vote for. And that's what I'm going to do because I've always done it. My grandpappy voted for them. My grandma voted for them. So I'm going to vote for them too. So critical thinking is dead. Clearly. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's also, you know, one of the other things that I, I was even watching just sort of a few people commenting and people focus on sort of the, the, the small issue that they don't like from another party or, or they'll focus on sort of one key thing that they like about a platform and then that's what they go for. And they're not seeing the forest for the trees. They're not oh, seeing yeah. 
the the bigger, more broad-reaching um, effects that that party could have in the province, whether they're good or bad, depending on mm. who we're talking about. Um, they're saying, I, I don't like this or I do like that. And, and I thought a big one, and, and as soon as I heard it, um, was the, the discussion around the vaccines being mandatory in the schools. Mm. And sort of regardless of what you feel about vac- vaccine policy and, and whether you're vaccinated or not, um, I think for a lot of us, the minute we heard that, it was he just lost, or, you know, Del Duca in this sense, the Liberal Party just lost right. a lot of potential votes right there just on that one issue. There's a lot of people who it's so contentious that mm-hmm. regardless yeah. of everything else, they were out. Yep, I, I agree. That's and, probably uh, a good observation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think he when I saw he released that, there was a part of me went, well, yes, that's logical, but I think he made a huge mistake saying that. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like any child that gets registered for school has to have the yellow card of vaccines, right? Right. And there's diphtheria, polio, you know, mumps, measles, blah 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 blah. COVID will just be added to that. But when he said it was mandatory, shot himself in the foot. Yeah. It's, and I, it's, it's so con- contentious for so many people. And I think we're in an interesting place with the vaccines right now. I mean, in terms of what we're seeing as far as like how you define efficacy, um, you know, it, it maybe it isn't the, the, the right time to draw that line in the sand um, as we observe where we're at with the pandemic and where we're at with, um, you know, the the um the waves and 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 how people are faring through the the variants that are are coming down the pipes so i I mean it's not to say and i haven't you know i wouldn't go on record as saying that i I don't think it's a good idea to make them required as a part of the full immunization um protocol Mm -hmm. for a school um but but perhaps it is a little too soon to be as sort of forthcoming with that being the Mm -hmm. absolute answer um, as we're still w- w- monitoring the younger kids in terms of whether or not they're even going to be able to get it, um, right. and then allowing parents to make those decisions for kids as well. Um, and, you know, I- I'm a big believer that the platform should include what you believe in and, you know, don't yes. throw something out simply because you are worried it's contentious. So I wouldn't suggest that that was necessarily um, the way that I would have liked to see them angle this. But at the same time, um, perhaps that's something that, you know, they could have explored and indicated that they were exploring, you know, and, and if the, you know, medical community felt at that time, as we head into the school year for September, that this was still sort of um, something that they could get behind and and back, that that would be something that they would consider, but that it wasn't that firm line, as I said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Oh, we have a board up uh, for Nepean. Uh, this might be Nepean West, I believe. Yes, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, we have Chandra Pasma of the NDP, who's leading at the moment, and Jeremy Roberts of That's Progressive Conservatives. Race, yeah, also a tight race. Uh, 52 of 70 polls reporting, so uh, we're getting close there. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll have uh, from Nepean shortly, because uh, we had uh, one of the candidates, Tyler Watt, who's running for the Liberals, as one of our guests for our interview. And uh, let's see how he's, uh, how he's doing. Tyler is the nurse. Yes, That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Such yeah. a charming young man. Just, just a really good human. You know, I, I, like we talked with him for, I think it was a little over two hours. We chatted with him and it's, it's on the, it's on the show. It's, you'd have to go search it there on the pod page, but uh, just, just, you know how you talk with somebody and you realize this is a good person that wants to make the world better for everybody else. That's yeah. exactly who he is. Yeah. And I think nursing made him, more uh, uh, compassionate and empathetic because, you know, nurses have been getting their 
beaten down by the current government in power and the one that's just been reelected for some strange and bizarre reason. I don't know. Is it apathy? Is it ambivalence? Is it uh, COVID fatigue? I, I, I'm just exasperated right now is all I can say. Um, you know. And I think we see, I think we need to see more of that in politics. I think in general, um, whether it's at the provincial or the federal level is, um, you know, these fresh faces, these people who are coming from backgrounds that they're not career politicians. These aren't people who have, you know, only ever known this or they've, um, you know, found their way in through nepotism or other things that don't really Mm -hmm. get life experience that allows them to lead um, and influence in ways that would actually pertain to the people that they're representing. You know, if, if you have nothing in common with your constituents, how do you represent them accurately? Right. With, with the sincerity that we need to truly affect change, right? Which is the thing that, that, that I, I so admired about Tyler. I'm like, you are somebody who knows what it's like to earn a living the hard way. That's right. You knock on a door and, and your next door neighbor might be a construction worker who's probably worked just as hard and just as many hours, different environments, but both of them are dangerous environments. So, you know, there's a re- an aspect where you can relate to this person more and look who they're electing. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and I mean, if you've come from these areas, you understand the ins and outs, you know, you're not seeing what one party might say or, or what one, you know, platform might push. You're, you're living and breathing and you're on the ground and there's no better way to be able to speak for the experience than to, to go through it, especially as a nurse in the last couple of years. Um, not only is he able to comment, you know, in terms of what the nurses and other healthcare workers have faced over the last couple of years up against, you know, wage freezes and, and, and the mm-hmm. utter disrespect that comes from, you know, a government saying that we don't think you deserve more money, yes. um, which is absolutely ludicrous to me. Um, certainly these individuals aren't in it for the money, but they absolutely deserve to be compensated for the the time that they've put into this, for the risks that they've taken over the last couple of years. So we've got 28. Okay. Still yeah. ways to go. Yeah. It's ways to go yet. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. 28 to 51 mm-hmm. polls. Fingers crossed for Tyler. Cause like I said, he's a good person and he wants to make the world a better place. Yeah. And then from Meshkigawak, oh. James Bay, it seems that it's a big fight between uh, yeah. of the NDP and Eric Cote of the Progressive Conservatives. Uh, only 2.9% difference between them with 14 of 33 polls reporting. Uh, Matthew Ponovo, who was uh, kind enough to uh, sit for an interview with us, uh, is uh, in third place so far at 10.3%, but it's uh, still relatively early, less than 2,000 votes uh, cast total in yeah. the writing. Um, it's a writing of uh, 40,000 40, or 30,000, I think. Something like 40,000, yeah. I believe, yeah. yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, Ma- Ma- Matthew will be able to, to join us a little bit at some point uh, this evening for a bit. Oh, that'd be amazing. I think, you know, some of the interesting things, and I don't like to feed the conspiracy machine, but I don't know necessarily that it's a conspiracy or if this, these are isolated incidents, but, you know, I'm seeing things coming through on Twitter today where people are experiencing, you know, um, problems at the polls. Yes, I saw that. Not only, you know, not being ID'd, which is, which is problematic to me because the voter card is something that could be easily yes. applied, but but also people going to vote and their name was already scratched off and they were having to Mm. issue because it was being registered that they'd already put in the vote and, and and I don't want to suggest that there's something nefarious happening there but when we're you know in a situation and 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 in, I would say this no matter who had come out ahead this evening but I think that that's something that we've got to pay attention to is if there is 
multiple reports of this, like what, what are we doing here? Because we know from our neighbors down south that when there starts to be suggestion about, you know, potential tampering, it, it can become a hugely problematic issue. For oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that was something, you know, as you say that, it's like they might need to look into this because I did read a number of reports of that today. And I kind of went, what? We're known as the nation that does elections really, really well. I've, I, this is the first time in my life I've ever heard of something like that happening in an election. Yeah. So is it a cause for concern? Is it, uh, is, is it hyperbolic? You know, are these people just, I don't know. That's yeah. why I say it should be looked into at the very least, right? Because we can't go down the same pathway they did in the U.S. We yeah. can't do that. I mean, I think we've got we've got to make sure that we have fair elections and that the results are a reflection of the democratic process mm-hmm. and that we are certain of that. And then if those are the results, those are the results. And we know that that's how this works. And, you know, we live with it because it, that's how it works. But we need to make sure that as they are coming in, we are confident that they came in um, accurately and reflective of the voices of the people. Um, you know, and, and I think on that note, it, it's sort of a little, you know, I was hearing numbers in terms of the, the voter turnout and, and maybe you guys were talking about it a, a little while ago um, as we were heading just into the eight o'clock hour and, and seeing such a low percentage of the population, the voting population, um, having come out at that point, um, you know, and, and yes, of course, there's, you know, the possibility that folks were waiting until the workday ended and, and things like that. But um, you know, I think it's something that as we're digesting this and the implications of this for the for the next four years, um, we really got to think about, you know, as a province, how do we implore more people to get out to the polls? Um, something that I said earlier today on Twitter was, you know, do not assume that the, the election has been decided mm-hmm. just because you're hearing um, polling numbers or just because you're hearing messaging that would suggest that X party is, you know, poised to win because that's exactly how they do win is if you if you just give up and you say well there's no sense for me to vote in my riding because you know my candidate can't win and and therefore I can't influence sort of the larger um, outcome that is exactly how that continues to happen I think that we've seen that with parties and and I mean the NDP as the um, official opposition is is an interesting um, outcome that I didn't expect I I figured this was going to go PC with the liberals as the opposition Mm -hmm. But I think that that is indicative that, you know, potentially there might be some sentiment around voting liberal this time around, but also people who maybe historically didn't vote NDP because they didn't think that they had that Mm -hmm. um, potential. They were like, I like the platform. I like what my specific um, MPP is, you know, doing in in the community, but I'm not going to vote NDP because it won't make a difference. And it's good to see that People didn't necessarily go that route this time because I, I I think that at the MPP level and at the MP level, I see a lot of NDPs doing really, really great things in the community. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in my uh, I'm in Centertown, Ottawa. Ottawa Center is the uh, the riding and the incumbent uh, 67, 120 polls reporting. He's got a 54.5 percent lead over. That's uh, Joel Harden, NDP candidate. He's got a 54.5% lead. Uh, next is Katie Gibbs with 224 for the Liberal Party. And then Scott Healy at 158 for the Conservatives. Mm-hmm. I think we have some boards with uh, for the leaders as well, other than uh, Del Duca. Uh, so we have uh, Doug Ford and Etobicoke. Uh, so we elected 55.1% of the votes. Uh, the Liberal candidate, uh, Julie Lutete. <laughs> was uh, in second place at 23.3, 24 of 38 polls reporting. 
Hamilton Center for Andrea Horvath, 39 to 53 polls reporting. She too has got to 56.5 and has been declared elected. Closest candidate there was uh, Sarah Bocati of the Progressive Conservatives with 17.3, so a fairly healthy win for Andrea Horvath. Which was expected, I think, in yes. her writing. And hopefully we'll have uh, Mike Schreiner uh, at some point soon from the Greens. Um, Time will tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh boy, been a heck of a night. Uh, yeah. the results are different than what I expected. As you said, Sam, I, I thought the liberals would have been the minority. Uh, I didn't, I, uh, the opposition, sorry. And I thought the conservatives were going to get a minority government. I knew they were going to win, which mm -hmm. is still, I'm still astonished by that. I can't believe I'm saying those words, but I knew they were going to win, but I didn't know they were going to win with a a large majority. Now, uh, it, again, the turnout, uh, what uh, I'd love to know what the overall turnout was mm -hmm. voter wise. And I think uh, it's not just ambivalence, it's COVID fatigue. It's uh, people are thinking there's just nobody good to vote for. And then when they see the polls two, three weeks ago saying, oh, we're predicting a, a conservative majority, as you said, people just, well, what my vote doesn't count. But that's what they're counting on when they put out a poll like that. They're coercing you into not voting. Absolutely. You know? And I'd like to see, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, and I know those numbers will come out just in terms of the breakdown, um, you know, in terms of the demographics as well, uh, young people, I'd like to see a what percentage of, oh, yes. you know, under 30 turned out, um, because I think that they have such a powerful voice in terms of the issues that they would be concerned about, um, sort of unique to that age group. Um, and, and I'm just, you know, curious to see where they were represented in all of this because i don't know that necessarily that's the age group that would have gone conservative mm. um just as you know you don't necessarily see them aligning with a lot of those values nope. traditionally um so i guess the question there is also kind of and, and something that i tweeted just before joining was you know we're talking about what has happened and kind of what are the what, what's next and i think it's sort of God, what are we bracing for over the next four years in this province? But also, how do we now say we've got some time, but not a lot of time no. to figure out what do we do on a go forward basis to make sure that we are better positioned, um, you know, looking forward, a whether that's influencing groups that just didn't come out. Um, whatever that might look like in terms of age groups or representing um, different areas of, uh, you know, the communities throughout Ontario. How do we get more people out to the polls? Um, how do we look at who our leaders are within these respective parties and make sure that, you know, they are the type of leader that people want to vote for as well? Because a lot of the times when people are casting that vote in their riding, they're thinking about is I'm voting for I'm I'm sort of voting for X person, but I'm mm. I'm actually voting for Andrew Horvath. I'm actually voting right. for yes. people, yeah. right. Yeah. And so when they're doing that, you know, we we've got to make sure that they would would want to vote for that person, even though it's not the U.S. model where you technically are. Yeah, we just uh, had the board up for the Green Party leader Mike Schreiner, uh, and uh, I we just saw some video that he's addressing his crowd uh, right now at headquarters. Um, he won uh, his riding at fifty four point five percent. So you know, just over fifty percent yeah. seems to be the seems to be the the trend for the leaders, except for Stephen Del Duca, of course. And uh, second place on that riding was twenty point five percent for the Progressive Conservative candidate in that riding. 
Uh, I've got uh, the uh, Ontario elections uh, website up here, and it says that at 10.02 p.m. Eastern time, the voter turnout is 30.29%. Oh. Wow. That is insanely low. That's disturbingly low, considering that there's a war in Ukraine right now where they're fighting to keep their democracy. Oh. And, and that is, that's for me, it's sort of, this is done. And, and yeah. you know, I think it's important <clears throat> and as much as, you know, um, it, it's good to think forward. It's important to sit with it and it's important to, you know, f- feel whatever we feel about it. It's not to rush through that port, part because it is, no. you know, this is very impactful and it's going to be significantly impactful for for certain people more than others, of course, but I think it's also being able to say, let's take this, whatever this emotion is, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's sheer unbridled rage, um, yeah, and turn yeah. it into something and and um, make sure that the people who, and I'm just looking in the chat, even here from our discussion, and you know, people people are incredibly upset and, and, and rightfully yes. so, and, and how do we, use this to our advantage like i said that we've got to get through four years we absolutely do and there's no overlooking that that's going to be hugely impactful and four years is a significant amount of time but how can we come together um all of us who are feeling this intense emotion about these results and say we are going to affect change we're going to be part of seeing more people out at the polls the next time because i certainly know that there's opportunities for me to participate in that you know, um, out there in the community more and participate and be more active with that um, leading up to an election to ensure that, you know, obviously you you get more people out to the polls. It doesn't mean it goes your way. But we need to see more Ontarians. We need to see more Canadians casting that vote, having their their voice heard, mm-hmm. um, even if we don't agree with what their what their voice is saying. Well, as I say frequently on, on the show, um, you know, Gen Z's going to have to save us because it, it sure as hell isn't the boomers. And I don't know where my Gen X is. I think my Gen X is just kind of so fed up with everything. And, you know, I don't expect everybody to be as engaged as I am. I, I don't require that of anybody. I just I just want people to vote. Just vote. Mm-hmm. It, you know, how much time out of your day does it take to do it in, in, in Canada? You don't, it's, have you ever heard of anybody waiting eight hours in line like they do in the U.S.? It just doesn't happen here. Yeah. You know, so as a representative of Gen X, I vote in every election. And I'm hoping that all my Gen X brethren do so too. I know the millennials are very much engaged. And Gen Z uh, and the younger Gen Z, you know, the 16-year-olds the right now are incredibly engaged. And I think the next election, we're going to see a sea change in the province of Ontario. I could be wrong. Look at it this way. Doug Ford's given us four more years of, of show. <laughs> He's given us four more years for material because we're going to be ranting and raving and screaming and yelling for the next four years at the terrible things he's going to try and get away with, like how he's currently privatizing healthcare. And that will affect everybody in the province. And when people start realizing, what do you mean I got to pay 300 bucks for x-rays? Oh, no, that's been delisted by Doug. It started, it started with... Um, that BDI, I'm, I'm trying to measure my words here, um, Dalton McGinty, 
when I used to, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties, so I need to get my eyes checked every two years. Well, that used to be covered by OHIP. Then it wasn't. Then it was 78 bucks every two years. Now it's 150. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can afford that, but a lot of people can't. It's another 150 bucks that you have to take out of your pocket for something that should be covered by OHIP. Well, so, I, you know, I mean, life is so incredibly expensive right now, yeah. right? And and every incremental increase in the in in the costs for a family or an individual is going to hurt that much more because gas is more expensive. You can't get out of I I I went out tonight and I and I and and you mentioned, you know, not not having any lines. I I vote at a school in my neighborhood and I quite literally walked in right up, handed them my card, handed them my ID, walked over, voted and was out of the school. I, I would I wouldn't even say that I'm exaggerating that I was not there for more than 60 to 90 seconds. It was mm -hmm. just in and out, right? Um, I know that a friend of mine voted earlier today. She said that there was maybe 10 people ahead of her in line. We certainly don't face those hours long lineups. And it's um, an amazing testament to the passion of the people in the United States who are willing to wait in oh, hours long yeah. lineups to cast that vote, especially they're doing it sometimes in terrible weather. Um, so if we have the ability to walk into a building and do it, we certainly should. I think we need to get to the bottom of why aren't people doing that? If it's mm -hmm. relatively easy, what's, what is stopping them? I think those questions need to be asked. Um, and we certainly need to do that. But to, to the point about, you know, the, the costs and things like that, I did a loop of the neighborhood stopped at the grocery store for just like a couple of things. It wasn't even a planned trip. You can't walk out of the grocery store without spending 50 bucks. Like it's just, oh, and this was just a couple of things. It wasn't my weekly shop, right? Things are expensive. And if we're talking about tests that people um, need to be getting or or want to be getting because it's something like cancer screening, mm -hmm. um, you know, where we're putting a price tag on that and making it that either either impossible to do because it's not in their budget or it's going to be, you know, there's that, that much less incentive to go out and do it. It actually hurts us all more in the long run, right? Because if you screen for illness and catch it early, the cost to the healthcare system to treat it is astronomically lower oh, than yes. it's going to be when typically people are catching cancer in stage three because mm -hmm. you need so many symptoms for the doctors to start running the appropriate mm -hmm. tests because they don't have the ability to run a test for absolutely everything every single time you have one symptom, two symptoms. You're catching it so late that A, it's going to be more expensive and then B, God, it's going to be harder to beat this thing. We're putting people in the position to potentially lose their lives because we're catching life-threatening mm -hmm. illnesses too late. But when people are, when push comes to shove, if it's a $90, $120 test and they don't know for sure that they need it, something's got to give, right? Exactly. Exactly. Look, look, I'll give you a for instance, okay? Full transparency. I got paid yesterday, paid the rent, paid a couple of bills, paid a couple more bills. I looked at my account this morning and I went, I got 200 bucks and I got to make that stretch for two more weeks. Yep. So guess what? Out comes the credit card in a week from now, because $200 is not going to last me two weeks. I'll buy $100 worth of groceries. That's two small bags, and that's not going to feed me for two weeks. Yep. This is the, what we're living in today. This is, I'm like, I'm, and I don't earn garbage money. Uh, I'm not middle class. Middle class cutoff in Centertown, Ottawa for a single person is $87,000. I don't earn that much. I don't. Full transparency. I don't. I'm below that. But 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not poverty wages, but it's, again, it's, it's just, everything has gone way up. So the it's like, city, what's next, you know? The city of Toronto to be middle-class is $136,000. That's absurd. Income. Yeah. But that's, and, and you know, I get it. I get it. I have friends and family in Toronto. It's like, yeah, no, that makes total sense. At the same time, it's completely ludicrous. It's insane. I mean, it's insane to, I mean, I know, obviously, I remember growing up and thinking people that made six figures, they were rich. Like that was, you know, in your mind or, or this idea that someone that lived in a, in a house that cost $800,000, like if you had a a classmate, yeah, those people were like, they were the super rich kid at school. Right. Uh, And and obviously over the years, things increase and, and, and as, as hard, as painful as it is for me, I was in elementary school a few years ago. So, um, you know, costs go up over the years, but it's, it's. Well, because you're only 22. Precisely something around that age. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's crazy to me to think that now the average cost of a condominium in this city, two bedrooms, which it's not a lot of square footage. It's just got two spaces that you would call a bedroom is a million dollars a million dollars um and so what about families right what about people who are trying to you know raise children and and where where do you put them when you're saying that you've got a you know a a million dollar cost on on ownership for a condom on condo apartment let alone a home where you have a bit more space what are single parents doing what are people who are on you know disability incomes and things like that doing And, and and it's terrifying for people to have to look down sort of that rabbit hole and go, does, does this get better? And when we're looking at a, you know, four more years with Doug Ford, wh- where's the proposals for any of those improvements, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear a single thing that would suggest that we're going to get better in that regard. Ryan is back. Clearly. Sorry, I was typing. I'm, I'm going to jump in when, when she's done. <laughs> Thanks, Rookie. I was going to jump in when you were done. Um <laughs> No, I, uh, I, I, I was thinking about what you were saying earlier. You, you had made a point about like somebody had brought up like the the war in Ukraine and um, why the voter turnout is so fucking dismal right now. And <clears throat> I've been I've been pushing this theory for a bit, and I, I think it I think today actually solidified it, and that's the fact that there's a big difference between an old democracy and a new democracy, and we are considered an old democracy whereas ukraine is considered a very new and young democracy where those people really put stock into what we take advantage of and we take for granted and until we have somebody lobbing fucking bombs at our apartment buildings and uh, it could be proverbial. It could be mm. uh, lobbing bombs at our paychecks, at our ODSP, at our OW, uh, which is about to happen for the next, yes. uh, the next, the next round. Um, just so you guys know, you're you're literally in for a war. Um, it's a war mm. on poverty, which they will win, yes. and um, we've become so apathetic and so lazy in that comfort that we sit here in uh we're gonna we're about to see exactly what we've we've taken advantage of of ignoring and um i think that's where we are now you see a lot of of people that are on um social media especially now it's it's a very good window into the world of people who are literally on the edge of um making 
uh, medically assisted uh, dying uh, decisions on the fact that they can't fucking live here anymore <laughs> just yep. because um, just yeah, I can't afford to live here. My house can't get retrofitted. I can't do these things. So you know what? I might as well fucking die. Like that's where we are right now in this province. Yep. I might as well just fucking die than live in the sixth freest country in the fucking world because of, of what we just saw and witnessed tonight in record time, by the way, where the PC government gained a majority. This is a very sad day um, for, not not for, for, for Ontario, it's for democracy itself and yes, Canadian yes. democracy itself. It's a very sad day. Uh, it's a sad day for healthcare workers. It's a sad day for teachers. It's a sad day for long-term care residents. It's a sad day for any single person in this province as Sam said, that doesn't make $136,000 a year to and support them. Just someone who's middle class in this city. Like, that's, that's right. just, that's uh, just, just getting by. Just, yeah. 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 You so might if you're not literally paycheck to paycheck at $136,000 a year. Exactly. So we're, this is a, this is a, this is a wake up call. I hope for, for people to, and, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to be the one to say it. We need this. We need this sort of rock bottom. It's just like some. It's just like having an addict in your family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's addicted yeah. to fucking comfort politics. Um, you need the addict to hit the rock bottom, and you're about to fucking hit it, everybody in this province. You're about to hit the rock bottom. You're you're here now. Um, the next four years, buckle the fuck up. Um, I hope uh, anybody that has the opportunity to donate to food banks, you do it now. And continue to do it for the next four years. I hope anybody that will donate to GoFundMe's for people that don't want to die, do it now. Uh, and I'm not being alarmist. I'm being a fucking realist right now. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. We are literally at that precipice now. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little I'm a little upset. <laughs> I'm a little upset in us. I'm I'm not mad. I'm disappointed no. in Ontario. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and and I think that was my thing. Like I was walking around my neighborhood and every time I saw one of the, the blue We're still in all of James's time. <laughs> Sorry, I, guys. I see this blue sign on the lawn and I'm going, like, damn it, right? Because I'm thinking I really need people to not just vote for sort of their interests. Like I, I, you know, and I'm making some assumptions here based on the sizes of some of the houses in this neighborhood and, you know, yeah connecting the dots there. And I certainly don't know the people that live in every single one of their, their houses, but, you know, looking at it and going like, I get that maybe there is something in this platform that appeals to you, but I need you to think about how your decision is affecting everybody else that isn't you. If just because you are not, you were fortunate enough to not have to rely on disability income or have to you know, you know, you don't work in a hospital, you're not a teacher, you don't have children in school, or you could pay $120 for tests, and you would gladly do that because it bumps you to the front of the line. And you've got all of those incentives for yourself. We need to get back to as Canadians, as Ontarians, making decisions where we're doing it for the collective again, because we saw a lot of that kind of dissipate during the pandemic, and it was disheartening. We need to get back to that. It was a great reset. Like the pandemic became a great reset for 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 every party that that had some sort of a, a finger on a button to 
um, either use it to the advantage of the people of Canada and Ontario or the people or, or, or take advantage of the people of Canada and Ontario. And we, we saw it with, with clear glasses. So hi, Mike or Matthew, 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 Matthew is here. Uh, How's it going? Um, hi. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Good. Good. How are you guys doing? Very well. Thanks. Well, um, as well as we can be considering, yeah. you know, yeah, consider the thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're getting close to the end of the show, but uh, we have uh, the good fortune of having Matthew Ponovo, who uh, ran uh, in uh, Meshkegawak, uh, James Bay. So he's a liberal candidate. We have someone that actually rolled up his sleeves and got involved in the election, ran as a candidate. Uh, Matthew, uh, not the result you had hoped for? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, some disturbing uh, news, especially since uh, I do work in education and yeah. Many of my volunteers and friends work in education, so uh, it's not looking like a good four years uh, coming up. So uh, we're uh, we're definitely in through, uh, for some uh, some difficult times coming up. So uh, yeah, uh, very disappointing results. But I mean, uh, my team has been excellent. We worked hard. Uh, I think I, I personally knocked on a thousand doors this week myself. We we really gave it our, our all, and uh, I'm very thankful for uh, for all my support, especially from my uh, my partner who's been behind me the whole time but uh yeah some uh some unfortunate very disturbing results and uh uh it's probably going to take a, a little bit to, to digest what, uh, what's yes. happening today go ahead douglas you have something to say um the experience as a candidate oh okay uh we're going to uh sam say bye uh, sam yes. thank you for thank coming you so much. Really? okay Absolutely. take care um just uh what was the most uh, memorable thing for you as a candidate? What are you going to remember? Um, visiting schools, like uh, like obviously I'm a teacher, but I mean I got to visit like schools and different school boards. Uh, I, I managed to go see um, the um, the school. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I got to visit the schools in Moosonee. So I got to visit the uh, oh, wow. public elementary school and the public Catholic school in, in Moosonee in James Bay. So to me, that was a very uh, good experience. Uh, you know, it, it is a five-hour train ride to get up to the coast. So it was, it was great that I got to go up there and, and meet people and, and door knock and uh, meet with the municipality. And because, I mean, unfortunately, James Bay doesn't get the attention it deserves. They, they don't mm -hmm. often make the news unless something really bad happens. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of water, in terms of a suicide crisis, or right. in terms of an evacuation. So... Um, the important thing is, I, I really hope that uh, the people of James Bay get a bit more of a voice and and uh, and, and get what they need to, to thrive and, uh, and move forward. So, I, I'd say my trip to Moosonee was was very much uh, uh, a highlight or, or something that I, I'm very proud that I got to do. And uh, I know it's probably a little early to ask, but are you thinking of doing it again? <laughs> um, a little early uh we'll see yeah. what the final results yield uh it doesn't look like i'm going to be successful this time around but uh um we'll see i mean uh i've learned a lot like i did manage yeah. my own campaign so uh <laughs> i definitely uh i'm a lot wiser and and have a lot more of a knowledge of how things work so who knows we'll see in four years what, what happens but uh yeah <laughs> as you can see my my vote share is a bit lower than what we thought we were going to get. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, we'll keep it, it's very hard to change state. minds. I mean, uh, th this writing has been NDP for 32 years, looking like we're going to get 36. So it's, it, yeah. it's hard to change minds and to, mm -hmm. you know, people typically, uh, 
struggle with making a big leap, a big uh, leap of faith or a change. Uh, so it, it is a very big uh, union-oriented community. So di diverging from NDP is, is going to be tough. But uh, yeah, I might do it in four years. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see where I'm at uh, at that point in my life. But I'm not closing the door. Uh, I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience. And uh, I did enjoy every minute of it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, well, we want you to stay in touch. Yes, please do. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, coming on uh, tonight and making some time for us. Um, and uh, thank you for granting us the interview and uh, we really as well. for it. Yeah, we do. And for uh, the kids that don't know who are watching us in English, uh, Matthew uh, allowed us to do our first episode en français as well by giving us uh, uh, an interview in both languages. So he stayed with us and, uh, you know, basically did it all again. So, uh, and we really appreciate that very we much. Really uh, our best to, sure. to your family and to, to your team. Thank you. And yeah, once again, I was very proud to be able to, to be your first in terms of a French podcast. And I'm, I'm very happy for the opportunity. And thank you for having me here once again. And uh, all the best to you as well. Okay. Thanks for coming Merci in, beaucoup, Matthew. Matthew. Okay. Bonsoir, Bye. Bye. Uh, so, uh, because we're cutting into James time, we're, uh, going to wrap this up, uh, rather inelegantly. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, you know um, what? It's, it's been a heck of a night. Yes. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I loved having all the guests. In. Yes. Great guests. It, great guests. Uh, and thank you for all the, the, uh, the chat windows. We've been monitoring them and, and trying to jump in to say props, but thankfully Rook has been posting up some really good comments. Yeah, it's been a hell of a night, sir. Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy night. Uh, I know, uh, you know, a, a lot of us are probably, well, uh, clearly not pleased. Some of us might be sad. Some might be despondent. And I just want you to know, you know, uh, I, I've been through this before, back when Harper won his majority. That's how I ended up starting the blog. And, you know, I had that moment when he won. You know, after everything he's done and after all the yelling and screaming we did, he still won anyway. So that's it. I'm packing up. I'm checking out. I can't stand to watch for the next four years oh there's my beaver sweetie <laughs> thank you <laughs> he had good news today by the way i'm so proud of you baby um so uh uh yeah you know i wanted to check out and i decided that you know what if you guys need a week danielle you're correct right danielle's right let's take a collective breath and then keep fighting yeah you, know you need a week take the week take the week okay you you've been through the ringer yeah You've earned, you've earned time to take a breather and then we'll get up and start fighting again. Yeah. And think of it this way. Dofo has just given us four years of material. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the reasons we do this, you know, and we monitor stuff and we look at stuff and we bring it to you so you don't have to, or if you don't have the time. So, uh, you know, this, uh, it's a saying I got from a podcast, another podcast that I like called the daily beans. But if you need to drop out of the race for a while, hand us the baton, we'll run the leg for you. And, uh, when you're ready to join uh, again, please come back because, uh, we need you in the fight. Remember this is time to hold space, hold space, hold space. So, you know, I wanted to check out. I took my time too. And then I came up and I started the true, the true North eager beaver blog on Facebook. And you know, it's been 11 years since, uh, since I did that. Um, so again, you are perfectly, <laughs> we'll, we'll make it through this together. <laughs> yes. And there's nothing wrong with you. You're committing the cardinal sin of being human. Yes. Allow yourself to have the frustration, allow yourself to have the sadness, the anger, but then use it as fuel and then come back and listen to us. And, um, 
hopefully uh, we'll have some laughs. Interesting perspective. Great guests. Um, and I'll keep shouting down old drug fraud. <laughs> Dougie Dimebag. <laughs> can I pop uh, in oh, just for a second? You... Just for a second. Absolutely. I was hesitant on doing this because I thought, oh, I don't want to do a political show. I was gripped by this entire episode of the show. This was fantastic. I love you guys. You guys did a great job. You brought us Thanks. through this. And uh, you took a really shitty message uh, that we obviously have received and made it easier to digest. And I appreciate you guys and uh, everything Thanks, you've buddy. done. Really great it. job. Great job tonight. Thank Bye. you so much. And thank you for helping us. Yes, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, and like, you know, we don't do this alone, right? The, the quality of our guests, I mean, a lot of these people, we Rook we, taking care of all our tech in the background. Like, yeah. You know. just a genius i mean he gave us the groovy graphics the promos i mean this is the, trust me and the boss dean who gave us his space this is dean's space that we're using yes he didn't have to do that no. but he did so good on you brother thank yeah. you very and much thank you um if you liked uh watching this we loved making this for you uh please why uh, listen to our podcast when you can uh if you would like to support us to do more we work for tips you can buy a pint of Guinness for Mr. Grizzly over here because he's definitely going to need it. I'm definitely taking a Caesar. Uh, you can do that at our coffee page. That's ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, all in one word, and lowercase letters. Oh, my God, we're seeing all the all the love come in. Thanks, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody, for staying with us. And, uh, I mean, the compliments, holy, wow. Um, Warms the cockles of my heart. Now, let's go for a pint. Now, I'm not drinking right now. I'm not drinking. Oh, okay. I can't drink now. Not, not after that results. No. That <laughs> oh, really? Those are the results that would drive me to drink. And I hardly drink at all. Uh, um, so, uh, and uh, thank you to our podcast sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. Thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Thanks I, to Rook for the artwork for this show. Yes. My goodness. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if there's anybody we forgot. If we did, I'm so, so sorry. And uh, we James, go. we are sorry <laughs> to have kept in your time. Uh, but thank you for your generosity and for coming on our show. Thank you to all our guests. Thank you to everyone who watched. Uh, we love you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, let's make some shit happen. Let's, as, as our friend Holly says, get out there and fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. All right. Perfect. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
or at soundoff.network.